this week on Invasion the Podcast. I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure if you die, cancer dies at the same time. Is the new James Wan horror film malignant or benign? And we ask, what if this game really, really sucks? We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion the Podcast, where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. My name is Paul, and somewhere running through the underground tunnels of Cleveland is Steve. Hello, everyone. I'm happy to be here tonight, and just like the movie we're discussing this evening, I won't come alive until the third act. <laughs> Zing! Uh, yeah, we'll be talking about James Wan's, uh, James Wan's film, Malignant, which is currently streaming on HBO Max. It's also in the theaters. Uh, just to let everybody know, I'm just going to throw one of these out here right now. Do you know why they are called spoilers? Because it's going to be impossible to talk about this film without really getting into it. So if you guys, uh, you know, want to avoid that, I'll pop up one of those again later in the episode. But it would like I have no idea how I'd be able to talk to Steve other than like a, like a series of like um, like emojis and hand motions or something. Because I there's it we're going to spoil it, but that we have to we have to dig into kind of like I, I have I have emotions and feelings that I need to get out. <laughs> and I always talk with my hands and forget that this is a audio medium. Yeah. It's like that time. What was it when, um, was it Dennis Kucinich was running for president and he came to a, a debate and brought a pie chart and they're like, sir, just to remind you, this is a radio debate. Like he actually <laughs> brought like, you know, so anyway, uh, so yeah, we're talking about that. Uh, and so we'll talk about like, you know, stuff we've seen over the last two weeks. Hope, hope you guys had a good holiday week, uh, weekend or whatever, Labor Day and, you know, had some safe time off. Um, it was, you know, much needed rest and relaxation. I hope you guys also watched One Crazy Summer because that's a lot of fun. Uh, but Steve, here, here's the game that I'm going to be building tonight as we go forward through everything is it's it's. Um, I'm going to just ask you questions right now and, and like, well, not right now, but through the course of the episode and I'm going to fill in some stuff along the way. And then when we get to the end, I'll reveal what the, like what you are answering. So does okay. that, that make sense? So for example, if I said, Hey Steve, give me a number one through four, four, four. Okay. So that has nothing to do with the game, but I, I bought this, uh, Bud Light Seltzer pack. That is their fall flannel edition, and there's four different flavors. So I just picked the number four one, which is toasted marshmallow. So that, we're gonna see how this works. Um, toasted marshmallow hard seltzer. I might die. One second. I like how I stop. I just oh. listen to you drink. I yeah. it's like I should probably fill the air. Here. No, no, it's um, it tastes like toasted marshmallow. So good choice, Steve. So that's good right there. So uh, first thing up here, uh, give me the name of an animal dog okay or you want like a name name like, no 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 you know, no this like just chester you, <laughs> um oh, sure um so yeah so that 
There you go. That answers one one thing there. So we go along there. So anyway, uh, did you? I know you've been busy uh, packing up your domicile and then getting ready to go to a different domicile. Um, much like a turtle leaving, like shedding its shell. Turtles don't do that. Much like a hermit crab going from one shell to another. Um, have you have you been able to watch anything in the meantime? Uh, a, a little bit of, of a few things, um, but I just want to mention this real quick uh, because your uh, Bud Light Seltzer uh, brought this to mind. Uh, every year, there's something that I love uh, that John Oliver does. Um, it's this three-minute bit about uh, pumpkin spice everything. Oh, I didn't and see this. Yeah, I, I just caught the, the story for the week. I didn't see his little interstitial bit. I didn't yeah, see this. Uh, this past week, he he did his, uh, his new uh, um, pumpkin spice uh, thing. And the end of it is the actual guy doing like the voiceover at and then they get to Bud Light Seltzer and refusing to go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was interesting that you brought that up, but, uh, uh, it's probably on YouTube now. I highly recommend you look it up. Um, yeah, just John Oliver, you know, pumpkin spice. They're funny every year. Um, just like that with the marshmallow it, peeps around Easter every it, time. Yeah. Yeah, I think I uh, I think I sent this to our friend Rob uh, last year and maybe the year before because <laughs> like Rob is very pumpkin spice oriented. Like I don't know what it is, but like he really loves his pumpkin spice. So well, that's why I argue. Uh, I always say that he's in the the back pocket of Big Pumpkin. You know, like as much as he shoots <laughs> for it, I'm like he must be getting some kind of kickbacks from Big Pumpkin. <laughs> So yeah, that was, uh, that was he never denies it by the way, you know, he denies it. <laughs> he never denies it. He just, he, no. doesn't, he doesn't acknowledge <laughs> it, but he doesn't deny it. <laughs> He's like the Chili's gum representative and clerks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, like I, I need to see that. Um, but, uh, so, so you saw pumpkin spice, anything else that, uh, uh yeah. yeah, I watched this uh, movie from 2007. Uh, it's on HBO max now called severance. Um, and, yeah, uh, I remember the cover art for this when I was working back in the dark, dark days of blockbuster, but I didn't actually watch it. Yeah. Um, it's a British film and, uh, it's uh, like, because it predates things like the hunt and, um, Oh boy, there's another one that I was going to throw out there. The, the Belko experiment, um, not Belko experiment. Uh, yeah. Like the Belko experiment yeah. or, um, uh, oh God, what was the other one? Uh, the, um, oh, I'm, I'm blanking on it. And it was a movie that I loved like three years ago. Uh, it was probably one of my favorite movies. Mayhem. Thank God. Okay. Um, but it doesn't go in either of those routes. It's about a, a group of workers who are going on like a, a retreat and they end up in the wrong place and things go haywire. But, uh, uh, it's pretty well done. Um, I think that, uh, for probably the budget they had, uh, they pull off some really cool stuff and, uh, there's some real fun gags in it. Uh, but it was nice cause it was a movie I'd never even heard of before Saturday night. We were just looking through movies and like, I was trying to get my wife to watch malignant and she's like, mm, no, not interested. I'm like, okay, well, let's see what else is on here. And pulled that up and then we watched the trailer and I'm like, Hey, this looks like fun. Um, so I would, I'd recommend checking it out. It's, it's definitely, you know, it's not going to, you're not going to walk away from it being like, Oh, it's my favorite movie, but it, it, it's a lot of fun. Okay. Um, oh. yeah. Like I just remember that the cover art was like, uh, saw a guy in a shirt and tie with some blood holding an ax or something, if I remember right. So I think that's, I, I'm not too far astray. Is that the, the film I'm thinking of? 
Possibly. I don't remember what the cover was on HBO Max. Um, but yeah, that's probably right in line with it. Okay, cool. Uh, did you get anything into anything else or no? Um, not really. Just, uh, uh, I was working, prepping some artwork for a show that I'll, I'll pimp at the end of the, um, episode, but I, uh, uh, put on some episodes of Oz. I'm almost done with my rewatch of Oz okay. because I don't know why it's, it's, it's something I haven't seen in 20 years and it's easy to throw on in the background and not have to think about too hard. My wife is like, this show is so depressing. How can you watch this? And I don't know why I, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've sat and watched shows that I'm like, I don't know that I can watch more of this. Like Lovecraft country, as much as I loved it, it was a tough sit in a lot of ways. Um, and then I, I think it was called them, which was a show oh, that came out Amazon on Amazon. Prime. Yeah. I need to watch, I need to watch both of those all the way through. Yeah. And, and Kathy was watching that and she's like, do you want to watch it with me? I'm like, I want to watch it. I'm like, I just don't know, um, if I got it in me right now to, to sit down and watch this. But for some reason, like, you know, Oz, I can sit through and I think it's just because I seen it before. Mm-hmm. So I know all the, the, you know, I'm not as affected by the, uh, violence slash drama of it. Uh, but that's what I had on probably, um, for when I wasn't actually like moving stuff or doing stuff or packing, um, in the background. And, um, it's an interesting show. It's, it's, there's comfort be- in, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry there's comfort in something like, especially when you're trying to focus on something else, there's comfort in having something you already know what's going on. So you don't have to devote as much brain power to it. And so I, I will agree with that, but sorry, you were talking about the show itself. Yeah, no, it's just, it's interesting. You know, I, I remember at the time, you know, like, Oh, this person moved on to, you know, law and order SVU. And so did this person. And so did this person. I'm like, Jesus, did they just pull everybody from law and order SVU from Oz? But as we were, as I was watching it this time, I realized uh, at the time that I probably last watched it, which was when it originally ran, I didn't realize that uh, there were cast members who ended up in Dexter. Like there are like three or four main characters of Dexter that pop up in the series mm-hmm. as like big parts. I'm like, oh my god, this person. I'm like, apparently Oz is just the show you go to if you're making like a crime horror slash you know procedural show because. Uh, that's where you get all your best actors. But Oz itself is interesting because it, it, it never kind of gets where like the Sopranos goes like, um, Edie Falco, who is, um, the main, um, I, I, I was going to say the wife her, 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 uh, she's the main female character, uh, lead of the show, uh, on the Sopranos. Uh, she started that like somewhere in like the third or fourth season of Oz. So her character just like, leaves at one point and then (laughs) never comes back. And then there's like a, you know, somebody reading a letter with her voiceover. And I'm going to guess like, Oh, I I remember watching it and going like, I guess she's definitely only on the Sopranos now, but, uh, weird that she would leave prison and then go be part of organized crime. It's usually the other way around, isn't it? Yes. Okay. But it's a, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird show because like, it's, it's the thing that I think people were hoping I think they wanted it to be Sopranos and then the Sopranos hit and that was like what their big thing was. Uh, but I still think it's a solid show. It's over the top in a lot of ways. And there's definitely some, some fear baiting is to like, you know, uh, and it's supposed to be the worst prison ever too. So like, you know, it's just multiple like, uh, horrific events happening all the time in us. (laughs) It's like you guys have the worst track record for deaths in a jail. Like, 
It's like, I'm surprised nobody shut you down yet. People go to the social calendar. They're like, oh, it's it's a murder spree tonight. I don't know if I want to attend that. I did that last week. Okay. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. So uh, a shower I was shank trying to get some love to, to go to shower shank I, I think night. it's yeah. still, a, you know, a, a entertaining show, but I can also understand my wife's point of view of being like, this show is just depressing. It's all get out. So. You just, yeah, you know, those are the things that I watch. You're just watching it and humming along and smiling, you know, and not knowing. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know that it deserved the five minutes that I just went on about it. Uh, yeah, but, well, uh, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I, you know, so um, the, the couple things I do want to mention here that I did get into uh, was because I was feeling a lot of pressure uh, to watch uh, Better Off Dead because um, since we had talked about One Crazy Summer and I admitted that I had not seen Better Off Dead. Oh, the the next words that come out of your mouth better be "I loved it." So, um, you're feeling pressure by a friend of the show, uh, uh, El Goro uh, of um, Talk Without Rhythm. But he, he watched Better Off Dead, and he uh, made a veiled threat about a kid uh, pulling uh, looks like a switchblade, or was that a switchblade comb? I couldn't tell in the image. Um, the paper boy. Uh, and I was like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll watch it. I'll go watch it. Steve, do you know what the hardest movie in the world to find digitally anywhere is? Oh yeah, it's better off dead. It, it for whatever reason, it's not uh, available anywhere. Yeah, so um, I, I think di- I didn't. I don't see even it. think it made it to Blu-ray. If it did, I'd be surprised. I think it's only available on DVD, right? I maybe, maybe it's maybe it's only available on film strip with a cassette tape. I don't know, but I tried. I tried looking everywhere, couldn't find it. Even went to you know sometimes since these movies are a little older, sometimes they end up on like YouTube or or Vimeo or something. You know, couldn't find mm-hmm. it. So I was like, you know. What would be a good film to just kind of watch to kind of go along with that vibe? Uh, you know, kind of a little lighthearted, a little bit more like, you know, easy, easy going. I ended up watching um, David Cronenberg's Rabid for the first time. Uh, that's from the 70s. Um, and it is about a, um, a kind of a, a viral outbreak that happens and how it starts spreading and people aren't sure the best way to handle it. Um, I didn't expect that to happen during the movie. I know it's called rabid, uh, but there was these weird parallels of like, we think we have a vaccine. You should show us proof of vaccination. Oh, martial law has been declared. Okay. And I'm like, this is, this is a good sci-fi horror movie, you know? So, um, cool movie though. Uh, but did not expect it to be scarily culturally relevant at the moment. Uh, I'll have to admit uh, a lot of Cronenberg's, Filmography is a big blind spot for me. And for me as well. Films. Yeah. So like, um, I realized that the fly is one of my favorite films of all time. I owe it to myself to dig back and figure out like the rest of his work. And I've not really, I mean, I've seen the brood. I watched that a few years ago. That's a creepy movie. And then this is around the same time as this. And, and it's, it's kind of like a modified, like zombie movie, like, and also like, um, I don't know. Like it, it, it's a couple different things, but just there's this notion though of like when people get infected and how like everyone's kind of reacting to it and how at first like things aren't adding up. And then like, it's just, it's like adding up as in like the public doesn't understand what's going on, but you as the viewer do, you know? Um, but um, yeah, interesting film. Like it takes some, it takes some turns and, and it gets, um, it, it goes some places that, Movies can't go to now, at least in terms of the implied nastiness that went on, where I don't think a lot of viewers would be like, oh, that's perfectly acceptable to imply that did that. Nope. <laughs> like, and also um, because it's Cronenberg, it, there's at the time there's some um, weird sexuality going on. 
Um, but yeah, interesting watch just when it started taking a turn towards like, you know, like they use the words pandemic, they use the terms like, you know, proof of vaccination. Like I was like, huh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that this movie's fake and it's a scary movie, you know, like, (laughs) thank God this is fictional. Yeah. Right. Um, but it just shows you that Canada would have a better response to things. But anyway, uh, so I ended up watching that. I liked it a great deal. I mean, I do want to go back and watch more Cronenberg. Like I, it's one of he's big blind spot. I need to fill out his filmography and there's plenty, plenty of things that I've not gotten to. I uh, ended up um, then later on at some point watching uh, X-Men dark Phoenix, the last X-Men film produced by Fox. Uh, it's not great. Um, it's really bad in a lot of ways, but it's not nearly like the uh, you know, abhorrent train wreck that people are saying it is. Meaning that if you just watch it as just like a, like a superhero X-Men movie, it's okay. But it's it's better than um, Apocalypse, and it's better than X3, you know, which was also written by the guy that directed Dark Phoenix, but whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not upset that I watched it. It's just, I could see why people are like, that. that's how you go out, kind of like a wet fart of a movie. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. But it's not like, it's not like a completely unwatchable, like, mess. So um, if you guys want to complete the set, then it's it's way better than X-Men Origins Wolverine by a long shot. So, yeah. We won't be covering it on the year of the sequel, but I can tell you that much. Well, I watched Apocalypse, I don't know, a year after it came out on HBO, and it yep. may have just been, hey, it's free, I'm not in the theater, I'm not, you know. And I was like, this movie is not nearly the train wreck people were making it out to be. Like, I thought it was fine. It wasn't like, oh, this is my favorite X-Men movie, but I didn't think it was, like, X3 is by far, well, Origins is a close second, so maybe those two are tied for the worst, but... Yeah. Uh, I was really surprised because I, I just I didn't think that it was as, as bad as people were making it out to. I'm like, yeah, it's not great, and uh, you know, he does look a little bit like um, a Power Ranger villain. Um, yeah, yeah, Oscar, uh, Oscar, sorry, Oscar Isaac. Yeah, I mean, not to his fault, or you know, it's not yeah. like uh, he was picked to the design, but yeah. Uh, that said, uh, Apocalypse I didn't think was as bad as people were saying, and you at least um, got one cool uh, Quicksilver moment again in that. Yeah, and, and you also get a, a, a cool cameo from Logan. Yeah, and so the only the big cardinal sin that uh, Dark Phoenix makes is that there's no cool sequence with Quicksilver. Though he has uh, he has he has the best line in the movie, and it's said like the first like 15 minutes or whatever, and it's like in the background. It's just a bit like um, when the, when their first mission's over. And everybody's like coming back to the mansion and all the, the little students are running around, like talking to everybody. He goes up to everybody. He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, I, pre- I pretty much did everything. Yeah. Gene came in at the end, but I, I pretty much did everything. And it was like, so in the background as he's like, like bragging to these kids. Mm-hmm. It was like, that's great. I'm like, maybe this movie, oh, you lost Quicksilver. Like it was just kind of like, <laughs> all right, there we go. That's it. But it, it, it was, you know, whatever you could see. Because of Captain Marvel, you can see how how heavily they had to rewrite the um, the alien threat that was going on. Because I guess there was supposed to be a very similar like through line with that movie, uh, and so the, the the alien threat just they're just kind of there, like they don't really do anything. But like I will always love Fastbender's Magneto, and it just pisses me off that we didn't get more more good movies that he gets to be Magneto in. 
Yeah, I know that uh, some people didn't care for Days of Future, Future Past. I actually liked that quite a bit. Yeah, it was okay. Um, Apocalypse is, is okay. Um, and then, like I said, I haven't seen the the latest one. But, uh, yeah, it, it was weird. You know, it was that period where Fox was really trying to hang on to, you know, as Marvel was really ascending, as Marvel Studios was really ascending, and people were all about characters who prior to i mean iron man's 2008 so up until that point x-men and spider-man are the two biggest marvel properties yeah so prior to 2008 you know i i understand that that you know you want to keep that momentum but there's also a time where it's like okay um we're not keeping up with marvel as a whole uh which is oddly enough one of the things that sony realized uh, uh for the better I'll put it that way. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, they're okay movies. I still, I still quite like X2. And I, I think that's yeah. probably why I like, uh, um, days of future past, but. Well, I think, I think first class is like awesome. And like, I could, I could watch, uh, still, I could have watched a movie of just Magneto going around being a Nazi hunter. You know, like that would have been amazing. And the fact that they they, they left the, the the franchise on this really good footing with that, and and Fox is like, well, we want to make more. And I think, oh, what was it Matthew Vaughn that directed that? He's like, yeah, give me a minute. And they're like, no, 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 we're going to move forward. And he's like, well, I'm out. It's like you had the chance, you know. And Fastbender, and that's great. You have a good cast. Like I just. They're, they're like for a series as long as it is like you have some bright spots and you have some duds and I and, and Dark Phoenix is kind of it's 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 right there it's in it's in the lower half of the films for sure but it's not like it's not like this like I don't know since I didn't expect anything my bar was set so low it passed that so I was like okay like that's I, that's terrible to say where it's like well at least it didn't trip over like the hurdle that was on the ground without anything holding it up you know like it was like like crossing over like um like i don't know a jump rope that was on the on the, on the ground you're like well it's not moving all right we cleared that hooray everybody good job <laughs> uh, so yeah so that's i'll say that about that so before i get on the last thing i watched steve pick a number between one and three two two all right two is Maple pear Bud Light Seltzer. Okay. Uh, and then also give me a Marvel hero and Marvel villain. Captain America. And I'm trying not to pick a biggie. Um, Craven the Hunter. Like it. It's also super exciting that I believe he's going to be the villain for um, the Spider-Man two game coming out. Like, uh, that's going to be very exciting that we're going to like people, the, the, the wider world might learn more about Craven. That's very exciting. Uh, so, uh, last thing I watched, I actually sit down and I uh, use someone's shutter account that I don't know that I'm talking to right now and watched, um, the film called a super host that they just kind of dropped on there. Did you see the trailers for this or no? Uh, oddly enough, a uh, friend of the show, Samuel, uh, posted, posted on my Facebook page by, saying that they really screwed up the, the Ooh, yeah, that's right. yeah, uh, biography. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I that's all my knowledge of it is. I haven't really looked into it. I am very much looking forward to finally getting moved and sitting down and just spending October watching horror films that I have not, that I've neglected over the year. So fair enough. And Superhost, it's like, it's a shutter original, meaning that, you know, this was a, a, um, a lower mate, lower, 
budgeted independent film. Like you can clearly tell it was made during the middle of the pandemic. I mean, <laughs> right now, because there's a cast of four in it. Uh-huh. And they're in the middle of nowhere. And it's this couple that they're um, like um, social media influencers and they go and they, they rent these like really nice, like Airbnb, like vacation homes. And they, re- they review them on their YouTube channel, which they call it Superhost. And so they, they lodge, they, they, they go to this one place and like from the, from the jump, things kind of aren't adding up about like, uh, the person that's like, that has the Airbnb, um, how like certain promises that were made about the experience aren't quite there. And like, and there's elements here. It's like, okay, like this is kind of, kind of interesting. Cause it also digs into the notion of like, how far along do you go with this? Because you know, you need to be a content maker and try to get the likes. Like, so it actually kind of plays with that notion too of like, um, yeah, things aren't adding up, but we got to put on this happy face. when We make these videos or, or, or do we lean into the more erratic things going on and see if we can go that way to get likes and, you know, subscribers. It's very much a movie made of the, you know, the last couple of years in terms of like, you know, being an influencer and it explores it in some interesting ways. It's just, um, would you finally get to like all hell breaking loose in like the last 20 minutes? It, it, it suffers from um, horror movie syndrome where there is these like, you know, like, why didn't you do this earlier? Or why like this decision makes no sense type of thing. But there's some fun to be had there. Um, the person who's the host of um, that's the Airbnb hostess or whatever. I forget the actress's name, but um, she's really, really good at playing like, like very up, like up and happy. And then um, when like the snapping point hits, she's terrifying. So like there, there's, there's some merit here. It's just that, um, like it would, it, it either, it, 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 it went too far in some areas and not far enough in some areas. I know that sounds kind of wishy-washy, but that's kind of where this film kind of ends up. And I, I'm, I was okay watching it. It's just that for being like an hour and 40 minutes long, it with only having a cast of four and Barbara uh, Crampton's in this for like a half second. So she's the fourth. Um, which is great. You know, you got to get some royalty in there, but like, it's just, it takes forever to get going. And then, and then suddenly it's over. It's like, you could tell they're kind of spinning their wheels to get the feature length. It's just that it's not a bad little watch. You could do worse. I will always appreciate like lower budget uh, filmmaking. And there's some good jokes in it. It just, man, it could have been, it could have been something, but it's just, okay. Yeah, I you know I, and again I, I I can't blame them only because of the fact that uh, if you have Barbara Crampton in the movie you you want to put her out there but like I was under the impression that this was a Barbara Crampton movie and the way you're describing it it sounds like it is not it is not no <laughs> um, I mean she has a significant part to play don't get me wrong and credit to the movie it did double fake me of like when you first see her, you're like, Oh shit. Is this, is this it? Like, you're like, like, is it just like one of those things where it's like, um, you, she's like, you know, it's like, she just drives by the house and waves. It's like, Oh, Hey, it's Barbara Crampton. You're like, Oh, that's all what you guys got. Like, you know, like, did you just pay for a cameo video? And she says, hello, I'm Barbara Crampton. I'm like, sweet. She's in the movie. No, that like whenever, um, she actually ends up getting a little bigger role. It's just that at first I'm like, is this where we're at with this? Um, it's like either she's too expensive or like they, that's how little money they had, but she, right. show, she shows up again. Um, no, it's just, it's not bad. Like, and I, again, like the idea of bringing in the element of like, you're kind of on the hook because this is your living, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of interesting. It's not, I'm sure it's going to get explored better 
and it's going to get explored further as we go into more influencer culture. Um, and just, but I think that sometimes horror films are the, like where some of the stuff starts, you know, horror or sci-fi where you start kind of getting to these, like, you know, this is, this is the new normal about how people operate. So what will happen if someone takes advantage of that? So good idea. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm still curious to check it out. Uh, I don't know that it's super high on the list cause there are things that I've missed over the year that I really need to dive into. Um, I actually have to finish season two of creep show and season three is no, no pun intended creeping up on me. Yeah. So, well, I mean, and to be fair, I actually think that, um, I think you'd probably get more out of, um, super host than I would just because, you know, I know since, you know, you are working on a, um, like a, a slasher comic, I'm sure you always want to see what everybody else's ideas are in that kind of genre, you know? So yeah. Yeah. I think it's worth the watch. I mean, is it the greatest film? Not at all, but that's perfectly okay. It's just that there were things in there that I'm like, ah, you guys knew you were making this movie and you only had like three people, three, four people. You could have made the motivations and the decisions a little better before you actually started filming. That's just me armchair quarterbacking for all the films I've never made, you know? <laughs> it's easy to be a critic. So <laughs> yes, or, or a overweight white guy podcasting. I don't know if you guys know that that's the first thing, whatever you, like, if you ever go to uh, like, we're a, store, a rare breed, I we're believe. a rare breed. Yeah. We're the unicorns of the podcasting world. No, you go into any, like you go to a Best Buy or like a micro center. And whenever you go over to like uh, the podcast section, the first thing they do is hand you a large can of beans. And they're like, here, you're going to need to bulk up. You're going to need to bulk up like, you know, and you're going to have to find a comfy chair you know, and like, and you're going to have to, you know, you're just going to have to make sure that your opinions are hundred percent correct. And then if anybody else disagrees with you, they, they can go F themselves. So there you go. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so, all right, that, yeah, that's it for the weekend watch stuff. Let's just, uh, let's get to some news. everyone uh not good news it's always the way this goes whenever we do that uh norm mcdonald's passed away like uh, as of yesterday and everybody's reacting to the news he was 61 had like a nine-year battle with cancer they didn't tell anybody about because he 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 said he didn't want people to look at him differently or like look at his work differently so credit to him uh just the outpouring of like just not attention but like remembrance is like it just shows you how much of a comedian's comedian he he was and how much you know he, how how big of a wake he's going to leave yeah I, I i see a lot of people posting you know his uh burt reynolds um from Sarah live um i always enjoyed his david letterman and particularly his bob dole my wife shared on her <laughs> yeah. facebook a version of the real world with bob dole um, it's just, it's amazing. And oddly enough, we had watched it, I don't know, probably like three months ago, for whatever reason, we were talking about Bob Dole and that came up and I don't know what led to us talking about Bob Dole. Cause that's how exciting conversations are in our house. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was not available on like the Senate live app or any of the, like we had to like find it on YouTube, I think because there's so much music in it, they probably couldn't get it cleared. Uh, but I would highly recommend seeking that out. And then I, I think a lot of people always go to the clip of him on Conan O'Brien where um, Courtney Thorne Smith is promoting her new carrot top movie. And uh, my favorite bit is uh, Norm butts in and, and says the title of the movie is box office poison. And then yeah. she says the actual 
title, which is chairman of the board, which Conan then says, yeah, go ahead, do something with that freak. And McDonald's like, yeah, it's spelled B-O-R-E-D. Yeah, it's I was watching. There's a compilation I found someone put together to see on YouTube. It's just 10 minutes of Conan O'Brien trying to keep uh, Norm Macdonald in place. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's there's so much fun to watch them bounce off each other. And just how just like as much as Norm smiles sometimes, how steady he keeps everything. And he just knows he's about to just drop a bomb on people like I watched. um there was the, there's the, the joke he told it was a, the six minute joke. It's about the moth. You should look it up if you've not seen it. It's great. Just to how, like how he just drags the audience along and he's just tickled the entire time telling the story. Um, I, yeah, I love Norm Macdonald. One of, one of my guilty pleasure movies is dirty work. And I love that movie. It's not very good in terms of like, I think it's a really, really funny comedy, but it's just like, you know, it's, it's, Snore McDonald and Artie Lang just like making a revenge for hire business, you know, and it's like just skit work and they have Don Rickles in it. It's great. And like Chevy Chase plays a doctor that um, has an obvious gambling problem. And um, they, they uh, was at one point um, they go to see him because uh, um, Artie Lang's father needs a heart transplant and uh, Chevy Chase's doctor will can do it, but he needs a lot of money to cover gambling debts. And then at one point he has his arm in a sling and he just, he just says to him, he's like, guys, you know, when they say they're going to break your hand, you know, and they do it, it's like, they still want the money. <laughs> like <laughs> this whole thing of just him, just getting brutalized by like loan sharks and him just being like, just like what? Like they're, 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 you know, why do they still want their money? <laughs> So I just, I don't know if you've seen Dirty Work or not, but it's uh, uh yeah, it yeah. came up I think during our talk about One Crazy Summer. Oh, maybe yeah, um, yeah. So I just I I adore that movie and I love Norm Macdonald. I love his uh, his whole bit of like note to self, you know, like uh, Aunt Jenny is your aunt. I remember all that. Like I just his delivery too, and just like he could just tell like he you think about like like generational like talent in terms of like comedians right and i don't think people i think we would have all like landed on norm mcdonald if we would have talked about it for a bit but i think because he's now gone and earlier than we were expecting i think people now see like how big of a wake he's going to leave i I, yeah i i I think uh you know and i'm actually kind of surprised that this hasn't gone around but uh uh the the clip of him uh (laughs) announcing uh, at, at the desk of, uh, the news desk at Saturday Night Live, uh, the OJ Simpson, uh, acquittal or, um, okay. you know, getting out, g- going free where he's like murder is now legal. Um, and that was his punchline. Like I, I, I remember that being huge at the time. Um, and then, you know, uh, I was actually a fan of his, uh, show. He only ran like two or three seasons. It was like a block of Drew Carey and Norm Macdonald, which at the time were like my two favorite shows during that period. Um, I think he was just an, an immensely funny guy who I think is more of a writer than he was a performer, not performer. That's not the correct word, but like, uh, he had a quote about like, you know, being a funny comedian in LA just means that you're a terrible actor. Um, <laughs> something along those lines, I'm, I'm misconstruing it, but like, uh, one of my favorite deliveries of his of all time though, is in, uh, Billy Madison where Billy asks what day it is. And he's like, Tuesday. 
No, he says like he's like October. Oh, October. Like, yeah, yeah, he's like Sorry. October. Like I, yeah, just how he's like him and the other two guys are like just hangers on, and they're always yeah. It's I yeah I love him and that too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, sad to see that he's passed. Um. And uh, I give him credit. You know, it's got to be hard for any celebrity to keep an illness. You know secret but do it for nine years right wow so you talked about the norm show uh do you remember i'm I'm not gonna turn this into a member win episode but it was one of richard Pryor's last appearances do you Mm. because he norm mcdonald played a social worker if i remember right with the way the show was set up and so he would go and to like this room and the, the other people are like, this guy's crazy. And then you get to the bed. It's just Richard Pryor frail as can be barely moving and be like, Hey, what's going on? And then Norm's like, what's going Like he's talking to these people like, but he's just, he's a frail old man. They're like, no, he is not. And then he would talk to Richard Pryor and then people would leave and he turns back and a stunt double would get up out of the bed and just pounce on Norm McDonald, start attacking him. And then we turn around. It was Richard Pryor in bed again. Like it was just, even with Richard Pryor being near at the end, he was still able to find a way to just like have this lights out hysterical bit of him supposedly attacking Norm Macdonald. Yeah, I do remember that. It's a pretty classic bit. I I think uh, uh, I think that is his last public appearance too. I think before he passed. So um, yeah, I, I I'm trying to you know not do the the member thing. So. I know. It's just I just uh, that one's always going to be in my head because of that show, and I don't remember much else yeah. about it. Um, so, so yeah, like I, I love Norm Macdonald. I've been watching clips of his stuff like, like since yesterday, just because like you mentioned those interview segments, uh, just, yeah, just, he did not give an F you know, about anything in terms of like, um, even if like he, like Seth Meyers said it, that he's like, if Norm believed that the jokes he was telling were good, he didn't care about the audience reaction because he believed in them. The, the jokes, not the audience. So he would just like, like there's a roast of uh, Bob Saget where he just does like, like 20 minutes of like dad jokes. And the audience is like, just like kind of laughing, but kind of not. But Bob Saget is losing his mind the entire time. It's, it's really entertaining. It's, it's rough to watch just because the audience is not responding, but Norm Macdonald is just eating it up. I think sometimes it's funnier to see when another comedian makes another comedian laugh like they could be bombing completely, but if if that other comedian finds them hilarious, I, I think that that probably goes a, a long way. Um, I, I don't know why it is. I think it's just you know one artist impressing another. Uh, but uh, there's a documentary, and this isn't norm related, but there's a documentary about Jerry Seinfeld um, when he was going back out and trying out new material and. Uh, you know, just him talking with different comedians. And I, I obviously there's also comedians getting coffee in cars, um, which I haven't watched a whole lot of. But uh, it's always interesting to see, like, when somebody that you find funny um, is either m- m- laughing at someone else or is, you know, making someone else that you admire laugh as well. And I feel like Norm McDonald was, was one of those guys. I think he was a comedian's comedian. Yeah. It's my long way of getting around to that. Yeah, um, and there's also a brief clip I saw uh, of him with um, Jerry Seinfeld and the comedians, you know, uh, and cars getting coffee. Go look it up. It's like 30 seconds about the uh, Bill Cosby verdict. Um, Mm. And like, it's rare to see Jerry Seinfeld just lose it 
just you got to watch because I mean, you know, Seinfeld finds things entertaining, but it, it, like it's one of those things that you like, you know, you have those friends that like they may not laugh really hard all the time, but you like when they do, it's like it's a burst of joy. Watching Jerry Seinfeld just lose it after something Norm Macdonald said is like you crack the code, like you made like the like you made Seinfeld laugh, right? Like that, you know, that's, that's amazing. But yeah, I just, people go look up Norm Macdonald stuff. It, it's just a delight. And I also like that everybody's kind of t- approaching this the right way of like, he would want not us, he would not want us to talk anything about like, you know, being sad and everybody's just showing like their favorite clips of him. And I think that's the best way to celebrate him and keep going forward with it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything else on okay. the subject, no, no, but that's uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. All right. So a uh, next story here is uh, something that I didn't even know about until today. Um, the, like I would do my late night host thing. You all hear about this? You know, anyway, uh, I, there's a story here. It's on superherohype.com. Uh, it said, uh, 80s indie, indie action figure, Sun Man officially joins Masters of the Universe. I sent this to Steve because we had just recently talked about uh, the Masters Universe um, cartoon on Netflix and like, and we dug into some of the outrage of people being like, sorry, not people, man babies being upset about certain things. But I didn't know about this toy, which um, was invented in 85 by an African-American mother when her son was unable to find a superhero toy that looked like him. So she created Sun Man uh, as an independent action figure. Uh, so this was like a rare thing at the time because you didn't have like smaller companies just making or, you know, people making action figures. And so she made Sun Man and, uh, and the style of like a mash universe character. And, uh, over time, um, this kind of gained some traction and it went on to make something that was part of the creation of something called Olmec toys, uh, which later made, uh, it says here per the article, GI Joe, like bronze bombers, historical toys based on Martin Luther King Jr. Malcolm X, so like, this is awesome. I didn't know about this and I think it needs to be talked about more. Hey, toys that made us, how about you maybe dig into something like this? Like it didn't make us, but it, it would, it made some of us. Right. And I think it's important. Um, so at PowerCon, uh, wherever that is, uh, they, um, they made Sun Man now part of the matter masters universe canon. So they've formally brought him in and the, and Mattel is going to actually, uh, released the, uh, a figure slightly updated, but to kind of keep a lot of the artistic elements intact of Sun Man, uh, and they're going to make him available for people to buy. And I think it's amazing. Yeah, I, I agree. Again, I'm, I, I've recently, you know, in the last year or two, sort of uh, kind of fallen in love with Masters of the Universe again. Um, I have, however, controlled myself from buying too many things, uh, but. Uh, you know, I, I, I've always loved just sort of the um, kitchen sink mentality of it, which I've talked about before on the show. Uh, I also think it's really cool that, uh, you know, one, that they're they're making this character an official character. Uh, but I'm, I'm far more astounded by the fact that, like, you know, this mother sees her son and he says to her, um or this mother is talking to her son about toys and he's like, I can't be a superhero cause I don't look like any of these toys. And that one just broke my heart. Yeah. Um, but also the fact that she, she not only, uh, you know, uh, found a way to constructively turn that into something, but, but built a company around it. Like, yeah, absolutely. I, that's in- incredibly impressive. And, 
Um, I hate to admit it, I had not heard of Sun Man before this either, but I was incredibly touched by the story, and uh, you know, I'm I'm so glad. You know, th- there is part of me that's a little cynical, where I'm like, I'm hoping that you know Mattel is giving them a good good paycheck for this. I hope it's not like. You know, because I, I, you don't want to be cynical, it, you know, when you see a heartwarming story like this, but because it is good that they're getting this out there and hopefully it's going to get in kids' hands. And I, I just, I'm like, I, I hope they're at least giving her a cut of this, you know, because she created this, you know. It, I, I, I hope that there's some sort of, you know, uh, financial gain for them as well and all of this. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I think this is a great story. And, um, you know, I, not everybody has the, the, the wherewithal or the, you know, um, prowess and, and, you know, probably even business sense to go out and create a toy line for, for you know, that's reflective of who they are. And uh, I think this is also points to why we need more of this kind of thing. You know, uh, I remember uh, at a job that I worked at years ago, I remember uh, – a, a coworker of mine complaining that like, you know, she had a hard time finding a baby doll for her, her care for her daughter that wasn't white. And I was just like, God, that's gotta suck. Like it really does. Like just, you know, not being able to see your ref- reflection is not the right word, but not to see you, yeah, uh, like up represented on the at all as well. Yeah. Representative. Yeah. yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. And, uh, yeah, I, I this is a great story, and I'm glad you brought it to my attention. And hopefully, we, I mean, as things get, you know, and I didn't mention this, I haven't seen Shang Chi. It's the first Marvel movie I haven't seen opening weekend since 2008, probably. I haven't um, seen it yet either. I just, I'm, I don't know. I, I, anxious is not the right word. Um, I don't know. It's just. Yeah. I, I want to watch it. I want to watch. It. I'm not. I'm nothing. By anxious, I'm not talking about the film. I'm talking about no. going to the theater. Please, I want people to understand. Like it's just, yeah. Um, one I'm is, still hoping to see it soon. Yeah. But you know, if 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 Shang Chi being a success in the middle of a pandemic, and the fact that Black Panther made like a gazillion dollars isn't making people like, hey, <laughs> we should really make these. For all the kids, you know, yeah. not just little white kids. And I don't mean that to sound, you know, shitty in the way it sounds, but like, you know, I have always said that, you know, I'm, I'm represented everywhere. Like the, the, if, if you really like want to get into the nitty gritty of it, like even like my comic book side or my horror side is represented in things. So like, uh, it's, <laughs> I've always had toys that look not like me physically, but at least, you know, have my skin tone and color. And, you know, I've never had that problem of not being able to find a white character. And I, I, I don't want to preach. I don't want to be the white savior guy. Cause I, I hate that as well, but you know, I, I think this is awesome and I hope we see more of it. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, I mean, especially with, the, with you not being white savior, I agree with that too. No, I'm, I'm yeah, kidding, but no, I like, I think representation is important. Also like, like the more the merrier. Like I know like, I'm not saying that sounds dismissive. That's not what I mean by that. What I'm saying is bring us more, bring more, 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 because then like, you know, these are the things that we've loved growing up. You can have, like you can bring other people to the table and be like, Hey, you, you love this too. Cool. We love this together. Look, you know, like there's all this like vested interest. Like that's awesome. Like, I think that's, you know, 
it, this isn't just like a, a like a this isn't a pale boys only club, you know, like, and it shouldn't be. And I, there's the back of my mind that I'm just, man, wouldn't it be great if, um, you know, in the next, uh, five episodes of, uh, a master universe, if like Sunman showed up just to just like, just piss off everybody that would be mad about this stuff. <laughs> like that would be, that would be a delight. Um, but that would be great, but that's, I mean, I don't want him to show up just to piss off people. Like it would be wonderful just to have representation there again. And we talked about that already, but yeah, like just, you know, the same thing's happening with like, like Mattel is starting to, to kind of get the react together in regards to like the Barbie lines and how they're trying to be more aware because as much as that might be a financial decision, it's because the market is speaking to them and that market is people that want to buy this, right? This may not be an altruistic decision by Mattel to do this in terms of like, we need to be a better company. They might be like, well, this is where the money is. Well then either way, I'm still happy that there's representation for like the people that get to buy the thing that they want to buy. Right. Cause isn't that what they always talk about how the dollar is supposed to speak. So yeah, I'm kind of getting out of the weeds here. I apologize for that. No, the only other thing that I'll mention is, is that, uh, you know, I'm hoping he gets a wide release too. Cause the article says that he's going to be available as a Maddie, not a Matic collector. They don't do that anymore, but a Mattel exclusive mm-hmm. through their website. I'm hoping that he makes it into stores too. I don't, I, I don't want this to be something that people have to hunt down, That's you know, true. like yeah. this should totally be something that should be in your Walmarts, your Toys R Us, or Toys R Us, your targets. Um, although Toys R Us is coming back as a subset of Macy's. So I guess I'm accurate there, sure. but uh, if, if, if you are somebody who's been looking for the toys, I will say that, uh, uh, both, uh, Walmart and, uh, target for some reason was like, and I don't know if this is, you know, Mattel's fault or if it's them, but it was like, give us just all He-Man and Skeletor and no one else or like one of everyone else. Cause I had to, I, I've talked about before that I love the idea of the character faker being the, you know, fake He-Man. Uh, that was supposed to fool everybody except he's blue. I just, I love the dumbness of it, but uh, uh, I had to go online to buy that figure because I couldn't find it in stores anywhere. And uh, there was a new version of Battle Cat with a battle armor He-Man that came out that I was like, I'm done buying He-Man stuff, but I really want this because it was like (laughs) a chrome, um, you know, chest plate and and it looked really cool and he came with like battle damage and he was bloody and I had to like stock target every day. I put in four orders uh, at a local store and they kept getting rejected until finally they're like, your order's ready for pickup. And I have not found it anywhere else around here. So it has been tough to find characters who aren't just He-Man and Skeletor in your local retailers. But, uh, you know, I'm hoping that this is something that they stock and stock well. Yeah, and um, I just think that's like the overcorrection that we learned from the Toys That Made Us episode where it was like there was no He-Man or Skeletor. It was just a bunch of, uh, what was it, um, the the bee guy and um, – <laughs> Everyone loves Buzz Off. Yeah, I, 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 for whatever reason, I started thinking of the Bee Man from The Simpsons being a character in the you know, Mash <laughs> Universe. And, you know, I, but but yeah. So no, that's 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 you know yeah. Please more more more. So this is going to pivot to the secret story here, Steve. So um, yeah, National Toy Hall of Fame reveals twelve toy finalists. Right. So you want to know mm. what the twelve finalists are for the Toy Hall of Fame? It is. I'll I'll save here. Here it is. It is American Girl Dolls. Battleship, Billiards, 
I just the idea of the game billiards, Cabbage Patch Kids, uh, Mahjong, Masters of the Universe, Pinata, okay, Risk, uh, Settlers of Catan, and Toy Fire Engine. There's one. Okay, great. There's two other ones I want to mention. <laughs> the Fisher Price corn popper which you're gonna be like what the hell is that it's that thing it looks like a fake like lawnmower with the bubble dome that all the kids had that had all the little balls in it that you just push around it has the two wheels you know what i'm talking about like, i do okay yeah. yeah i didn't know it was called a corn popper i just that sounds like i don't know it sounds like something you do in like the midwest on a saturday night anyway and then the other the other other nominee is sand why <laughs> 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 so my first question is uh is there like a prerequisite like for instance with um you know the rock and roll roll hall of fame like you have to have been a band for 30 years to even get nominated and there are x amount of nominees but there are only like what five or six that they allow in each year mm-hmm. is there something along those lines is it is it of these 12 only one gets in yeah, so they're gonna. The, it's gonna be up for votes. So the three toys that receive the most public votes will be submitted and will join the other top three. Oh wait, so they're actually there's there's three more players' choice submitted. So the people can vote for three more things. I'm sorry, but there is. Let's see how it says here. I um, I'm not sure how many of these will actually make it in. I'm sorry. I should have I should have read this article a little bit more thoroughly before thoroughly before dropping it on you. Well, you know, I, I asked the tough questions, but I also <laughs> yeah, missed the tough questions about toys going in. Yes. I, yeah. I also missed the uh, opportunity to make a joke about Anakin hating sand. So <laughs> I nobody likes sand. It's rough and it's coarse and it gets everywhere. Here, so. yeah, right. Uh, here it says the National Toy Hall of Fame receives thousands of nominations annually. And this year fans, uh, Fans may vote for their favorite finalist from September 15th, 22nd as part of player's choice ballot at toy So there you go. You guys have a week from today. Uh, as this recording, the three toys that received the most public votes will be submitted and will join the other top three submissions by members of the national select advisory committee. Wow. That's the important job. So I don't know if the three here of the nominations are the ones that will go on and then three other ones. Um, the final 2021 toy inductees chosen based on the ballots will be announced by the strong uh, museum on Thursday, November 4th. Um, wow. I just, I'm hoping, uh, I hope sand just knocks them all out. <laughs> sand. You and, know, and I, pinata. I, I, I want to go on. I mean, so there are two clear biggies in there. I don't know. Corn popper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, corn popper was a very popular toy. I don't know a kid who didn't have that thing. And if you swung it right, you could really hit somebody hard with it. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Like, what, where is the national toys that are actually weapons hall of fame? <laughs> I mean, they said billiards here. You just you take some like these are actual billiard balls per the picture. You put them in a sock. You're going to kill somebody. <laughs> but I mean, cabbage patch dolls was a cultural like boom. Like those things hit like a, a bomb. Yeah, they, same thing like Master Universe and American Girl Dolls. I yeah, yeah. I, I feel like those are probably your top three candidates. Yeah, so you're not going to vote for Toy Fire Engine, uh, Sand, or Settlers of Catan. I get it. If this was you know twenty years ago, maybe you know people who were 
nostalgic for toys from the 50s would probably go with the toy engine or sand. But, you know, it's probably people of my age who are like, Master City Universe was huge, and people were murdering each other for Cabbage Patch dolls, so they have to get in. I just would like it if everyone's like, but we could all agree on sand, right? Like, okay. But just, <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't. It's coarse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mentioned uh, it gets everywhere. Next year, next year's uh, Hall of Fame and uh, like possibly is going to be rocks. That's what's going to gravel gravel. will make it in there. This feels like what was the name of the toy company that Dan Aykroyd represented on SNL? Um, oh, yeah, man. right. That uh, uh, Kenneth Bergen always like was calling him out on where he, I know he had a Johnny bag of glass. No, yeah. sorry. Yeah, Johnny Switchblade. Johnny Switchblade, a bag of glass, and then um, there was the one that was just, it was a bag of just uh, greasy rags that you could become like the human torch or something, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, that's a classic uh, SNL skit. Yeah, uh, it's just like, it's just a and, bag of glass. Kids love glass. Like, whatever he <laughs> says. <laughs> Yeah. So there you go. That's uh you guys can let us know what toys you think should be nominated. Toys or, you know, substances found out in the world, you know, I guess. Whatever. Um, yeah, there we go. So that that's gonna do it for news. Uh, you know, Norm McDonald will miss you. I'm glad that there's more inclusion and diversity and master universe and go vote for sand. That's what I'll say about that. All right, and before we get to our future presentation, Steve, I have a couple more questions here I need to ask you um, to, you know, just to further along this this game I'm now making. So uh, if you could give me um, just a number. This has nothing to do with the, the drinks I've been having, so just a number. Like, literally, I could go 240,906. 240,906, you said? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that works. Uh, and then, um, yeah, just in, any Marvel character. Any Marvel character? Didn't we already do a Marvel character? Well, all yeah, right. Yeah, we uh, did. You'll see. It makes sense. That. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. Any Marvel character? Let's go with uh, Foggy Nelson. Like where you're going with that? Perfect. Uh, okay. And then, let's see, I got one, two three more to go. Um, give me an emotion. Sad. Okay. There we go. So we'll get to the other ones here in a bit. All right. So now we're going to get into our discussion of, uh, James Wan's film, malignant, uh, from, from obviously this year. Um, I'll throw a spoiler warning right after we do the other button thing here. And now for our feature presentation, You know why they are called spoilers. All right, look at that. It's almost perfectly at the one hour mark that I can go ahead and it'll be easy for me to mark this and let people know if they don't want to hear spoilers for Malignant. So, um, yeah, that, that's the, we just talked at the beginning of the episode. That's the film we're covering this week. Uh, Steve, I know you want to make us sound more professional and kind of get into a little bit of the cast and crew, but I also understand that this is, uh, some of the, a lot of this cast is in our wheelhouse, so go as far with it as you want, and then we'll we'll get into it. Sorry. Well, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll first start with the big name, the director James Wan. Um, for those of you who are uh, either horror fans or uh, you know, because uh, apparently he also did a Fast and Furious movie. Um, I guess so. If you're a fan of that franchise, you probably already know his name. Um, but uh, he. Uh, directed the first saw movie he directed uh the first two conjurings 
uh, Furious 7, uh, which is that Fast and Furious movie there uh, mentioned. Uh, he also co-directed apparently an upcoming Insidious movie because he did the first Insidious as well, if I didn't mention that. Uh, the first two Insidiouses, my apologies. So he directed Insidious and Insidious Chapter In- 2. insidious sir. yes. Yes, and uh, The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. Um, and then uh, his uh, non-Furious credit, uh, which is Aquaman. So those are the big movies I think that he's done that probably uh, people will know. Um, the uh, rest of the cast, I'm going to be honest, I have to admit, I, I hate to admit that I'm not as familiar with most of their work. Um, we have uh, um, the writing credits. Uh, we have, uh, and I, I hope I'm saying this right, Ingrid Bijou. Bijou? Are you familiar with Ingrid Bijou? Um, no, at all. I'm sorry. I do. No, that's my. Okay. Well, she's also an actress. It looks like she's, uh, Oh, she, she looks like, um, is she the, the crime scene girl that's in this? I think she's that person that's going around the crime scene. She's like the tech. So, okay. Um, but, uh, she's, uh, in a a few of, uh, James Wan's previous productions. Um, and I do apologize because there's, uh, a lot of films in here that I am not familiar with that she's been a part of, but she uh, was one of the writers in the story. Apparently it was a, a story based by her. And then uh, Akila Cooper, who uh, again, I'm not familiar with a lot of her work. Apparently she has written some uh, Star Trek strange new worlds, which I guess is not debuted yet. I think you corrected me on that previously. Um She's also written some Luke Cage, American Horror Story, um, and something called Witches of East End, which sounds familiar to me. But I think, I'm that's not... a, I think it's a series somewhere on a streaming service or something. Yes. Okay. Um, so she's uh, um, written quite a bit. Actually, it looks like she also written wrote something for Tron Uprising, which I think was the cartoon series. Yeah. Yeah. Does that, that sound familiar? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, and I didn't realize she wrote Hellfest, which is a horror movie as well. That's uh, interesting. So um, that's the, the the creative team behind this film. Um, and I'm just going to go through some names here real quick. And you can stop me if uh, there's somebody that I hit that you want to talk about. But uh, the main character is uh, Madison Mitchell, played by Annabelle Wallace. Um, and I won't go through her credits. It, it sounds shitty for me to say that cause I'm like, oh, I won't go through her credits cause I don't know her stuff, but I, I really looked through the cast and I was yeah. not that familiar. There with is a lot some of overlap with other, um, Juan productions. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of this where because of like the conjuring or, you know, the other things he's done that he obviously, you, you, you surround yourself with people that you, you like working with and you bring them forward. So there's, there is some overlap here with those other movies that I've not seen, but there's the yeah. whole like conjuring universe stuff that a lot of these actors are in. Yeah, I just I don't want to talk about people if I haven't seen their work. I don't want to, you know, talk about like, oh, they were in this and this and this and being like, I have no context for the conversation. I think, that, I think that's fair. Oh, um, so. Zoe Bell's in this movie. Huh. Didn't know that. Oh, she's in the prison sequence. Oh, my goodness. She's one of the, the toughs in there. I think she's actually the lead tough in that. I didn't realize that was her. Cool. Okay. Do you know who, then, do you know who Zoe Bell is? Oh, you know who Zoe Bell is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a... Uh, Quentin Tarantino's uh, favorite person in the world. Hey, well, she's, yeah, but she's also cool in her own right. (laughs) 
but yeah, that's funny that like, like all these people, I'm like, Oh, Zoe bell. And then she's in like the last third of the movie for one scene. And that's the person I just popped for. What's that say about me? (laughs) I mean, I should just go on to say, like I made the joke about Quentin Tarantino, but, uh, yeah, she's an amazing stunt woman and actress. And, uh, um, Probably people best know her from Death Proof, but uh, she's all over the place. Well, she was also the stunt credit. double for um, uh, in Kill Bill uh, for shit. What's her name? You know, the, the famous actress. Uma Thurman. Yeah, she was her stunt double for that. Yeah, um, she was on Xena Warrior Princess as a stunt double, uh, stunt double uh, for Catwoman, um, Penny Dreadful, uh, Poseidon. Uh, obviously planet terror along with death, death proof. Yeah. Uh, I have never seen 27 dresses, but I'm curious to know, uh, Which, what her stunt action was in that movie, but she was uh, dresses 13 through 18. I don't know what that means, but yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, Iron Man three Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok. Um, you know, she's, she's got a, a ton of credits. Um, and uh, obviously, also once upon a time in Hollywood. There we go. Uh, so but, there's someone we could speak to with some authority. Yeah. Ta-da. I, I, Hooray! I, I feel like she she came to my uh, knowledge via Quentin Tarantino, and that's why I made that joke. But uh, fair enough. The rest of the cast. I mean, if if we want to go to the other person that I really knew a lot about uh, previous to to talking about the movie itself was Paula Marshall, who is the uh, therapist who does the hypnosis. Um, Paula Marshall has, she's got like a hundred and some credits as well. Um, she was oddly enough, Iris West in the, uh, flash pilot for the nineties TV series. Um, she's in Hellraiser three. Uh, she was, uh, I, I realize these are like not huge new movies that I'm mentioning, <laughs> but like warlock, the Armageddon, she's in that, um, she was on, uh, uh, the single guy for an episode, which everybody loves, uh, spin city. She was, uh, a love interest. And I hate to, I hate to say that, uh, because I, I don't mean it to be demeaning to her, but spin city had this thing for some reason where Michael J. Fox's character seemed to get a new girlfriend every season and yeah. then they'd last for the arc. And then the season would be over and they'd go away. Um, she was on the show Snoops, which I think a lot of people liked. It just kind of went nowhere. Uh, she was on a show that I have a very fond spot for, uh, Aaron Sorkin's Sports Night from uh, mm-hmm. uh, 2000 to 2002. Uh, she had some episodes she was on on that. Um, I won't keep going on, but she's, she's got a lot of credits. Um, and I kind of just hit the ones that are big for me. Uh, she was also in uh, Californication as a uh, recurring character. Um, uh, but yeah, she's she's got a lot of credits to her name. And uh, she's probably the one that I was like, oh, somebody I know. I think so. it's funny that like we're like, yeah, we're going to talk about two specific people that were in only two scenes of the movie. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. But but it is what it is, right? Like I I will so here let's let let's just set the stage here as well. I um I am not as familiar with James Wan's work as like others are. I um I, I've seen Saw, but that's a funny sentence to say. I I, I saw I seen Saw. That's an even weirder sentence to say. Um, and we'll get. In, I think that there's some Saw tendencies in this film too. We'll get into that when we get into it. I've not seen the fast and fury series. I've not seen Aquaman. I saw the first conjuring. 
Um, but I know that he's went on to be very successful. Um, and I'm not, I'm not avoiding his films. It's just that maybe there are stylistic decisions that he as a filmmaker has been making that a lot of people, um, like him for that. I am maybe not aware of. So my, my familiarity with his work is very limited. So it sounds like you have seen more of his films than I have. Yeah, I've, I've seen the two insidiouses and I've seen the two conjurings that he did. Um, and I, I, I've talked about this on previous shows. There is this thing with, and it's not just James Wan, but this specific era of horror, and it's just probably the old man in me, but I have trouble keeping track which is which. I have trouble remembering what The Conjuring is versus what Insidious is versus what Sinister is um, versus what The Nun is versus what Annabelle is. Like I, I know some of them are tied together, some are not, but they're all within this sort of realm. Uh, and you could definitely point to the 80s with slasher movies and be like, well, you could make the same assumption with, um, you know uh, – uh, Friday the 13th and Halloween and Texas Chainsaw and Nightmare on Elm Street. And I was going to say Shocker, but Shocker only got one movie. But th- there's definitely but Shocker guest starred on a lot of TV shows in that movie, if I remember right. <laughs> yes. And he ended up on the X-Files, which is weird. There you go. Yeah. Um, we, we, we rarely talk about the Mitch Pelegi extended universe, but I think that is uh, <laughs> very well. That, that needs its own conversation, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but there there is a thing about those movies that there's a sameness to them, and I don't know if it's also just the fact that like that type of story isn't really my jam. Um, at least, you know, ghost stories. I like ghost stories, but they gotta grab me from the beginning. And while this isn't a ghost story, I certainly feel like this movie didn't grab me from the beginning. I felt like I was walking through the movie for three fourths of it until we get a crazy turn, which we will obviously talk about. And that turn made me love the movie, but I realized that I wasn't really with the movie until we get to that turn. And I don't know if it's the way the movie shot. I don't know if the way they're being written, there's something about current horror from this in this style that doesn't immediately grab me. Um, and I don't know how to quantify that, but I, I do feel like in a lot of ways there is a sameness and perhaps that's a testament to Juan. Maybe, you know, he's somebody that a lot of people are copying and that's why I'm getting that vibe. And clearly, obviously you have people who come along that work with him that I'm sure probably are influenced by him. Um, oh, I just blanked his name, the director of the second. saw. he actually did the most recent saw, which I still have not seen. Um, oh, was it, was it Bozeman? Yes, Bozeman. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I feel like there's a, a similarity in, a, in it's like if you're the one who comes along and makes that big uh, impression on people, you're going to have imitators, you know, whether it be movies, comic book, writing, uh, music. You know, there's a there's a reason why, you know, grunge became so huge, you know, not that those bands all sounded the same, but like, you know people sudden somehow accidentally discovered Nirvana, if you will. I mean, I guess it's not accidentally they did get to MTV, but you know, a lot of bands came out of that. And, um, yeah, I'm not doing this conversation justice. No, 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 you are. You, you absolutely not, you are. So meaning like, uh, like in terms of like, if you want to equate this to like the Seattle sound, like that, a lot of that was cooking together. So that when Nirvana broke big, 
other other art like studios were like, well, let's just take a look, right? And then they're like, yeah. oh shit, there's this other stuff out there because there was like this percolation and building up and whatever. So, I mean, there was probably some cross pollination there, and I I'm not as well versed to be able to speak to all that. However, uh, a lot of similarity came out and in, in, in very interesting ways, but also like there was a lot of also rands. I mean, how many um, <clears throat> Seven Mary Three fans are out there? And you know, I don't know, but uh, you know it happens. Uh, but like Paul, I, I used to be a fan, but, but now I'm just cumbersome. <laughs> like, there you go. Right. Like, so like you, everybody had their one, right? <laughs> you know? So, uh, oh, I screwed up my own job. I meant to say now I just feel cumbersome. Yeah. Damn it. I, yeah. They've become too cumbersome. I get it. You know? So yes. Uh, so, so yeah, like I, like I get that too. And in, in, in terms of also, like you mentioned, um, was it Darren Lynn Bowsman's the guy, did he direct the second saw? Like I, yeah, I feel okay. like he did like two through four. Probably. Correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I know the first saw was James Wan and Lee Wanell, right? I think that's the two that made that. And, yeah. uh, because I, <laughs> this was not where I wanted this conversation to go. I will argue that saw ruined horror films for a long time, uh, because they had a good small idea because their original short film of like the two guys in a room and things being creepy, like I forget who actually released that. Was it New Line or, or uh, Miramax that got behind and get releasing them? I thought it was Lionsgate for some Yeah, you, you, you're right. It's, it's Lionsgate. It's Lionsgate. I'm sorry. You're right. Um, and so, I, oh, oh, side note, I opened up. I didn't want to. I didn't, spoiler, Steve. I'm now drinking the pumpkin spice Bud Light seltzer. Not bad, by the way. So there you go. Mm. I'm going to take your word for yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I'm now in the back pocket of big, big, uh, big pumpkin, just letting you know that. Um, and I don't want to deter here real quick. I'm just going to say I'm not a pumpkin spice guy. Like, I get a pump, piece of pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving, and I'm good for a year. <laughs> so, like, you know, the fall time for me there's, is more there's gonna about, There's going to be like, a pumpkin truck that pulls up to your house, and guys are going to get out. So, I know, it's going to be women and Uggs. They're going to get out and just beat the shit out of you for, like, because big, big pumpkins <laughs> coming for you, Steve. They're going to be, like, you know, you know, like, whatever. Anyway, um, there's going to be a latte punches coming to your face soon. That's what I'll say. Uh, so, no, um, it's not bad, actually, for what it is. But I guess the monster cereals are my version of the pumpkin spice. Yeah, as soon as they come enough. out, I got to buy them. And you're, you're a booberry honk, I know. That, that's your yeah. big thing. Uh, so, yeah, so with I think Saw destroyed horror movies for a while because it was low budget and it was successful. Lionsgate did give them more money to kind of pump it up, and that's why Danny Glover's in it. And, um, um, oh, shit, you know... Um, Carrie Elwes. Carrie Elwes is in it as well. Like they actually ended up bringing in more people to kind of like get some, like some eyes on it. And it did well. Um, it's just that like that, that very active overactive editing style and loud noises. And then how I, I despise that first movie because there was no, there was no true mystery to it because it would be like, Hey, did you see how the, there's a dead body here? And then we're like, oh, what happens? Like, we're going to show you right now. And it's like, great. Like you've already shown me the person's not making it. Like now we're just watching death, you know, anyway. And I, I will agree that Juan and, and, uh, and, uh, Juan L went on to do better things, um, eventually, but I think they, they broke horror movies inadvertently for a long time because talking about chasing trends. I, so I guess I've had a little chip on my shoulder of anything they've done. Like, just because I'm like, Oh God, like you kind of, you guys kind of broke horror and people can argue with me and that's fine. It's just, there, there is this like dark, messy, 
like scar that runs through like the mid nineties through like, I don't know when it's just these, you talk about the same being same. Everything wanted to be saw after saw came out. I mean, am I, am I not remembering that correctly? Or do I think, I mean, that that's my opinion. I don't know. So uh, here's the thing. I, I, I feel like, uh, and take a drink people. Cause I said, here's the thing probably for the sixth time this episode, but, um, I did. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> When it comes to that, you know, I think hindsight uh, and obviously we're looking back at, at Saw with hindsight because it's almost a 20 year old movie at this point. Uh, what was that? 2005. So it's probably 16 years. Something like um, that. Maybe even earlier. I don't have it up on my screen. That said, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, yes, uh, success breeds familiarity or, you know, your copycats, for instance, you know, a lot of people uh, will blame uh, scream for the n- numerous uh, movies that came out that wanted to be meta. Um, you know, even even uh, though it's not trying to be meta, it feels like a lesser version of uh, Scream. You know, your uh, I know what you did last summer. Um, uh, well, no, that's 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 valid because the um, oh the guy who wrote um, the screen Kevin Williams he did the the screenplay for I know what you did last summer because after scream and there was a lot of like, you got urban legends, you got all that stuff that that's mm-hmm. that, that meta humor or meta awareness is what kind of ran until I think like saw came out so much so that when, you know, they're making the return of Laurie Strode in a Halloween, uh, H2O, which I always like to make the joke is the water sequel. Um, th- that's a young, sexy cast. It's very much a, um, and I, I don't mean to use it despairingly, but, or, uh, not despairingly, but disparaging. Uh, I don't mean that, you know, when I say this, but it's, it, that younger cast has the Dawson's crew vibe, which I realized one of the characters is, or actors is from Dawson's Creek at the time, but like, there's certainly that feel to it. And, um, at the same time though, I feel like people also were like, you know, the nineties weren't great until, uh, for horror until Scream came along. And that's not true because we've, we've talked about movies where, you know, you've got Candyman, you've got um, one of our personal favorites, um, Tales from the Crypt's Demon Knight. Um, you also have, uh, you know, Bordello of Blood, which is a lesser, but, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, there were great horror movies being made and some weren't getting the attention that they should have. Um uh, that said, I, I feel like, yes, Saw comes along in 2006 or 2005, whenever it comes out. Um, and I'm sure somebody's yelling at me at home going, it was 2003, you it idiot. It was 1976. Um, like, you know, yeah, okay, okay, fine. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of things that get mucked up in that time frame. Not only is Saw sort of dominating, but the things that we are getting are remakes, you know. And, you know, it's it's a... It's an easy thing to always say, like, oh, you know, uh, it's a remake, so it's going to suck, or I have no interest in it because it's a classic that they were made. And remakes are never going away. Like, that's just always going to be a piece of it. But I feel like in that time frame, like, remakes certainly got amped up uh, to try and do something at least a little different than what Saw was. And that's the thing that, you know, you can go to and say, oh, well, you know, Saw exists. Uh, we're going to try and just bring out this other property again and try and do something with that to make it 
at least different, but also it's a known commodity, so it'll make us money. Yeah, I mean, also, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that there wasn't other things out there that weren't worthy of time and attention. Uh, there was also the big no, rise no, no. Of, like, of, I, I, yeah. I didn't think yeah. you were. I yeah. was just saying that, like, there are outliers, but I think sometimes as we get farther away from them, we can kind of see, like, for instance, I mean, Shaun of the Dead comes out in 2000, I think eight. You know, so like there are things that are breaking away from uh, the typical horror film or the, the the saw mold. I'm sorry, not typical horror film. But I understand your point, but I think it's it's it's, and I get your point. I, I I don't necessarily agree with it. I think it's just a little easy sometimes to be like, let's lay everything at the feet of Saw because I feel like so many people did that for a long time. That's all. That that's fair and valid. Um, I, I, I think you're wrong. I'm kidding. I know, but I, I like, no, cause you also had like the big infusion of like Japanese horror coming over and then eventually some of the French stuff, like with high tension and I'm completely out of my element talking about some of these things, but like there was there, like these guys inadvertently like changed, there was a sea change and I, I you know, I'm not saying that they, they changed the entire course of horror, but they affected it. So they go on through their other things and then with, with Juan going on and doing like the conjuring, um, which it was him like consciously going back to kind of like wanted to kind of get like this, like seventies filmic style and just tell the story of the paranormal. The first three quarters of that first conjuring film I'm in, like he, there was a lot of wonderful, like, like maybe, maybe because <laughs> maybe I'm starting to realize that like, I, I love all sorts of types of horror, but I guess my jam is like, give me a little bit more slow burn, straight face seventies horror. I think that's kind of where I'm starting to land where things are treated seriously. They're approached like you're making a film as opposed to a horror movie. And I'm sure people will be yelling at me that like, you know, like I'm using those delineations loosely, like, you know, movies are movies, right? I do think that people can approach something that they're, they're making a serious attempt at something that is a film that has supernatural and horror elements to it, but they're making a, 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 like, you know, like a film versus we're just going to cash in and make like a horror movie and, and we're going to wink at you the entire time, which is perfectly fine. I just, you know, I, I don't know. There's times where I want to spend my time in certain, certain venues, you know? And I think that, one is a very competent and capable filmmaker and he's, he's grown a lot clearly. Right. So the reason I bring this up, we've not even talked about malignant straight up yet. Um, is that I feel like because he's created this, what you hear the Wannaverse and you hear like the conjuring universe. Cause a lot of the films you said, there's a sameness to it, Steve, because it's purposely. So a lot of it is connected directly to the Warrens of the conjuring, um, and a lot of it runs through like their Friday the 13th, the series storeroom of, of creepy oddities that they have. So I'm going to guess that there's probably maybe not an official like style Bible, but it's probably damn close, right? Like kind of like how Marvel kind of has like their, this is how a Marvel movie looks. Well, if you're going to make a movie in the conjuring universe, this is how this is going to look. So I think. I think that speaks to what you're saying. That's my belief. People can prove me wrong. I, I, you know, I am a hack and a fraud with all that being said, I, you know, like I kept seeing all the articles about this, how Juan was like, Hey, I just made Aquaman did all these big budget stuff. I just want to get back to, to making like a horror film, but I want to do something different. I want to do, he's like, this isn't the conjuring. This isn't insidious. He's like, this is my kind of, this is my take on a Jalo film. And I'm like, all right, well, he's going to, he's going to try to challenge himself and go in different directions. I'm like, sure. And the first trailer was kind of interesting. Um, and then I'm like, Oh, it's, it's on HBO max. Like, you know, it's dropping same day. I, you know, I, 
it's costing me nothing to watch this. So I'm like, I'll give it a shot. And I pitched it to you. Um, and the reaction I'm seeing online and with people that we know is a lot of people like this. And it sounds like you came out liking this a great deal too. Um, so I want to put this to you, Steve. I don't know why I didn't because it pissed me off about halfway through and it just kept pissing me off all the way on through to the end. So I kept having flashbacks, uh, not flashbacks. That's not the right word I'm looking for, but I kept getting senses of other influences coming in. And also I, I got a sense of his other films coming into it, which, you know, he's a filmmaker. You should, you should get that. You know, you shouldn't watch, a Wes Craven movie and not pick up on, you know, stylistic tones and or stylistic choices yeah. that he makes, you know, but there are things that were happening within the story where I was like, for instance, um, before we really find out what's happening within the story, the main character of um, Madison is she's having a sort of out of body experiences where she's seen these horrific things happen. And, Every time they happen, like the, and I don't want to say Doctor Strangeness of it comes in, but like I feel like we've seen the, the rippling the, effect. The Doctor Strangeness, I like that. That's funny. That's um, that's a good way to say it. Like I know the what you meant by reality yeah. version of it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like everything kind of flips into place. Like she, it dissolves from where she's at, and it all kind of you know. Yeah. And then she ends up suddenly in the location where the murders are happening, and it's you know it's. It's a 2021 effect, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, it, it's fine, but it's also kind of boring. I feel like I've seen it enough that I, it wasn't a thing that like, if it had been the first time I'd seen that effect done, it might've had a, a better hold on my attention, but I was like, all right, I get it. All right. You could okay, have just fine. easily done a rotating camera where, you know, like the practical set thing, right? Where you could just rotate it and been like, oh shit, she's not in her bedroom. She's here. I, you know what I right. mean? Like just... It, it just played into that sameness that I was talking about yeah. earlier. It, it felt very much like, okay, I've seen this already and it didn't hold my attention. Um, but I do, I, I credit Juan for being, you know, like, Hey, I just did this gigantic movie and I want to return to something that I'm known for or not even known for, but like, I'm sure, you know, malignant's budget up against, uh, Aquaman's is probably very tiny. The exact same. No. <laughs> They're like, listen, uh, we have more uh, Dolph Lundgren on a seahorse money. Do you want him again? It's like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> but it, it made me think of, um, you know, Sam Raimi. And I mentioned Wes Craven a minute ago. Mm -hmm. Sam Raimi is a perfect example. Like you watch the evil dead, you watch Spider-Man too. And there's a correlation where you're like, I can see that this guy made those two movies. Cause it feels they're obviously not the same movie or story, but like Sam Raimi has a very distinctive style and the way that he does things, you know, the, the branches and evil dead move in the exact same way that Dr. Octopus's arms will sometimes move. Um, and you know, one of the things that I always loved about drag me to hell was, you know, <laughs> Sam Raimi's like, I just did three Spider-Man movies. I just want to do a low budget horror movie again. So I totally get Juan's, you know, uh, that, that's a good correlation. I didn't think about that. I think that's a very good correlation of like you lower pressure. Let's get back into doing something more original and let's just have some fun. I think that's a really good call. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. And he clearly loves the genre. Like you don't make that many movies, you know, uh, in the horror genre without liking it. You know, I think that, uh, 
unfortunately, a lot of people think that horror is easy. So maybe they'll be like, I'll make a horror movie and then I'll make my real movie. And uh, maybe that has changed. Maybe that's not the way Hollywood works anymore. But I feel like that used to be a thing where people were like, oh, you know, they weren't making it sometimes for passion or because they genuinely enjoyed the genre, but because it was the thing that might lead to something bigger. Um, and I, I, I don't mean to pick on like the director of Halloween six, but I, I feel like if I remember correctly in some interviews, there were people who were like, yeah, they, he was hoping that that movie would get him a deal with Miramax so he could make quote unquote real films. Like, I feel like that's a very real thing. And, you know, horror is not that easy. You know, scaring somebody is it's, it's like being a comedian. You know, it's one of the reasons that, you know, comedians are great at like making you laugh and breaking your heart at the same time because they're they're far more layered and 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 uh what's the word i'm looking for here there's a depth to what they're doing a lot of times at least in my opinion for some of the best uh, comedians with that in mind though um you know uh and I, I'm sorry, I just lost my own point as I was going through it. But, you know, uh, horror itself is not easy, just like comedy. And I, I think that he is somebody who likes horror and wants to stay here. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't want to do other things, because I do feel like there are horror directors who kind of got sidelined. You know, um, even though Toby Hooper got to make other movies under canon, uh, he kind of got screwed on that deal because he, he it was canon. Um you know, but he's always going to be known for Texas Chainsaw. You know what I mean? Like, uh, or Poltergeist. I mean, even Craven. Like, there, I mean, he got to, to do a little bit outside the lines, right? But he kind of got stuck in a, like, um, yeah, we've like Romero, even the second half of his career, like he couldn't get funding unless it was a zombie movie. And even that took yeah. forever, right? Like, I, I understand what you're saying. So it's, it's sort of this double-edged sword. Like, I feel like, you know, it can box you in, but also it could probably be a comfortable place where you can be like, yeah, I don't want to have to think about how Jason Momoa's hair moves underwater for a couple of days. I just want to make a scary <laughs> movie. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think that that's really where where this story uh, comes from. And I think, you know, I can't tell if the way the story is told is stylistic choices or if it's lulling us into a sense of like, okay, I know where this is going. I know where the, I was absolutely convinced this is supernatural up until the turn happens. I was absolutely like, okay, let's find out what the ghost is or who, who uh, is it? Daniel, I think is the name. No, Gabriel. Yeah. Gabriel. Okay. I'm like, is Gabriel her dead baby? Who's now like become a ghost and is taking vengeance in both her past and her future. Like I was just waiting for it to be supernatural. Well, and it kind of is it though. Wasn't? It kind of is, but yeah, sorry. Just some of the, uh, I mean, well, okay. I guess supernatural in the sense of like, um, when, once we get to where we're going, there's other things going on. It's like, I guess, they, I guess if you're just going to hand wave away and be like, well, we've never seen that before. Whatever. Anyway, sorry. Continue. But when we did get the twist, I was just elated. I was like, oh, my God, it's not a ghost. Oh, <laughs> like, I, I was like, this is this kicks ass. You know, I. I OK, cool. And it's like, it's great. It's a crazy turn. It's 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 the equivalent of the turn. And OK, this may be giving it too much credit, but I didn't understand. I didn't see what happens in uh, in us coming. OK, you know what I mean? Like. 
like I was completely caught off guard when we find out what really is at play in the movie us. And I kind of felt like it's not the same surprise, but with, because that's at least a a little bit more of a slow burn and finding out what's going because when the turn happens, this movie goes ape shit. Like, and that's actually the thing that I loved about it was, I was like, wow, he just like, you know, (laughs) he basically was just like, I ripped off the bandaid. Now everything's coming out all at once. And this is the movie. And I'm like, what? So I, I liked the zaniness, craziness of it. It was something that I completely did not expect. And I guess I'm, at this point, I, I think we're still doing a good job of actually not spoiling it. So, <laughs> yay to us. Yeah. So, but okay, let me let me go because let me. So I am not at all. So everybody, take this with a grain of salt. I I am not as well. I'm not versed at all in the term of uh, the giallo subgenre of like you know exploitation horror films. So when Juan said that this was take on a giallo film, according to Wikipedia, meaning I'm just reading the internet here, folks. This, Please bear with me. It says, uh, Giallo films are generally characterized as gruesome murder mystery thrillers that combine the suspense elements of detective fiction with scenes of shocking horror featuring excessive bloodletting, stylish camera work, yeah, stylish camera work, and often jarring musical arrangements. The archetypical Giallo plot involves a mysterious black-gloved psychopathic killer who stalks and butchers a series of beautiful women. Sub that out for old fat doctors. And then we got this movie. While most of the Jolly involve a human killer, some also feature a supernatural element. Um, so, and then it goes on here further to say the typical Giallo protagonist is an outsider, some type, often a traveler, tourist, outcast, or even an alienated or disgraced private investigator, and frequently a young woman, often a young woman who is lonely or alone in a strange or foreign situation or environment. So there, there's there's some mixing matching here, which is fine because you're making your movie, you're telling your story. Um, there's also a lot of like, you know, stylistic like colors and palettes and music and all that stuff that comes into this too. Um, the direct choice to have the killer use the the like the um, the long coat, the the black coat and the black gloves, and the very specific and and unrealistic murder weapon. Those are all very much in what the descriptions of all this is supposed to be. Uh, and then also how, um, when you talk about the main character being like frozen in place and witnessing all this and nobody believing her, that also feels like that's also kind of reflective of this. Um, the, the questions that you begin to ask yourself while watching this film and how if you start pulling the threads, parts of it don't make a goddamn lick of sense. It's supposed to be hand-waved away and be like, well, that's just jello like you know j-e-l-l-o or whatever you know like it's just i, I can see why juan's saying this is his take on it it's not a full like full-blood jello and people can fight me on this because again i'm speaking from a point of very very little reference um so saying that this is supposed to be an homage to a specific type of exploitive horror i'm like okay what are we gonna get in here Right. And there's some cool bits in here. Like there's the top down sequence of her running through a house that almost kind of looks like a dollhouse. That's cool. There's some, there's some cool moments, but then there's also these moments of like, great. I don't even know why we're doing this. Um, also what is the, I, I guess I'm, I mean, I'm dancing around the whole thing. Um, when we learn what we learn about her character and what she's gone through, there is no indication that no one was ever like, Hey, um, 
you know, when we adopted you growing up, but everyone was like, oh, you had a, a weird childhood past, but we won't talk about it. There was never once like, hey, honey, why is your back look like scarred to like kingdom come? You never see any evidence of what occurred ever to lead up to the reveal. And that pisses me off. Well, I, I, okay. So there's a couple of things here. I, I, it, it, well, Sorry, I, I, talked, I, I, I did the I'm thing kidding. that I do where I just close my eyes and just whisper sweet nothings in the microphone. And I'm hoping people <laughs> give me a little bit of leeway here. Yeah. I'm trying to keep up with all the points that you just made. So I, I can, the first one that I'll say is, is I am also not an authority on Giallo. Um, Unfortunately, I, I have a big blind spot for foreign horror, and that's I'm, actually I'm more that, of a meringue I, fan than I am a Jalo fan. I'll just say that anyway. <laughs> I I can say that like uh, you know I've seen Suspiria, I've seen Deep Red, which I think is one of the films that he uh, references, and actually uh, I could be wrong. I feel like Deep Red also made it onto Joe Bob this last year or two. I might be thinking of another film, but uh, Deep Red. Um, is a gorgeous film. Um, it is visually, uh, I mean, I know that Suspiria is the movie that everybody goes to, but I actually enjoyed deep red a lot more. Um, so if anybody's going to come at anybody for their horror, horror opinions, uh, that would probably be one that will get me, uh, beaten alive. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've heard the original Suspiria is just more of an, like just kind of just experience it as opposed to don't question it. That's kind of what I've heard about it is like, don't think too hard about it. Just enjoy the, the, the visual of it is kind of what I'm I've heard about. I'm surprised that, that as, because I know how much you like the remake. I'm surprised you haven't watched the original. I know. Isn't it weird that the, I think the remake is spectacular. I mean, it also has its own elements of like, huh? You know, but well, there's nothing yeah. wrong with liking the remake because I think it is a really good remake. I just think I I was I was always under the impression that you'd seen the original. That's all. Oh, um, not yet. I mean, we should okay. do the year of the original next year. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so, with that in mind, I can't speak to every Giallo movie. I know that there are people who would just put me to shame. I mean, Al Goro obviously would be somebody who would be far better suited for this type of discussion or even um, probably Samael. And, uh, and I always mention him, but I never mentioned Nathaniel from uh, at the devil's ball. I'm sure both of them are very well versed as is uh, our friend Rob, who we mentioned earlier. Um, so I can't speak to that uh, with some sort of authority, but what I can say is, is that, uh, you know, I can, uh, I don't, I don't see it as an influence on this film, but I can see him being like, oh, I can take bits and pieces of what is part of the formula and put it into this. It's, it's like looking at an artist and then telling you one of their influences and you being like, I didn't see that at all. You know, I mean, it's usually easy to pick out like the things that really apply to, yeah. and I'm talking specifically like just art in general, um, or even comic book art because it's probably the thing that I know the most about, but it's, it's easy to look at somebody and be like, Oh, I can see who influenced you. And then they hit you with a name where you're like, what? No, but like, that's great that, uh, you know, that person's artwork influenced you and it just, I didn't see it. Uh, so I, I, I can speak to that at least in some capacity that like, I, I, understand what he was going for there in the sense of, again, it's, it's not that, uh, I would certainly not qualify this movie as a giallo. Uh, and you could also say, well, you're not, 
you're not able to make that dis- distinction authoritatively, Steve, after the last like five minutes of you talking. And that would be fair as well. But it would be both of us being like, you know, French cuisine, snails, not for us. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I really enjoy? French bread pizza. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I like those fries and those little pizza boats, right? That makes <laughs> us qualified. No, so like, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, if if we are given enough information through the film to tie everything together, which it does eventually, it's just that there is um, the, <laughs> the beginning, I got like this real frighteners vibe with like the, the shit going on at the hospital, which by the way, can I, let me just take a step back. If you don't have a spooky looking castle hospital over like on the cliff's edge, you don't have to digitally make one. You can find a cool looking haunt. You could like, I, I feel like this film would have benefited a little, a little bit more from a little bit more grounding in reality of locations. Cause that psychiatric hospital was like, I'm sure what was it? The state of Washington was like, Hey, can we have a spooky ass shit hospital that we're going to decommission in less than hundred years? And everyone's like, yeah, that's a good idea. We should build that on this cliffside facing everything. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just felt like it's just like, I get that this is a scary movie and it's supposed to have like these elements, but it's like, wouldn't you like, wouldn't it have been more disturbing to have something like, um, there's, there's that, um, documentary, uh, Cropsy that's about, um, you know, uh, it's in like, what was it in New York state where you end up finding out there's a lot of people that were, um, just released, uh, because of the, the mental health reforms in the state, but these people were like not well. And they kept going back to the abandoned, like hospitals they were in, like that's all real. Right. And that's all upsetting. Like that feels more terrifying to me than um, Castle Grayskull or whatever it is on the edge here, you know, Snake Mountain, Snake Mountain Hospital, you know, like our our, our sister Snake Snake Mountain on the edge here. That just kind of pissed me off. I know it's a nitpick, but it really bugged me. And no, I mean uh, it, that's a fair nitpick. I I, I always go to the fact like uh, so Halloween Five is widely known as my least favorite Halloween movie, and I say it widely known like you know I've got millions <laughs> of listeners or people who follow me, uh, but. One of the choices in that movie was to change the Myers original house. And it doesn't look anything like the original Myers house. And it's supposed to have like more of a, I don't even think it gets a Gothic feel, but it's, it's a completely different looking house. And um, I'm like, you know, what makes that original house interesting is, is that it looks like a real house. You know, and they did use a real house for five. Don't get me wrong, but it it looks nothing like it. And it doesn't feel anything like it had come from the previous movies that we've gotten in this series. Yeah, I just feel like I just feel like if you're there's a realism that. Yeah, yeah. if you're going to go that far, then just go full tilt. Right. Like, don't give me this weird like and also uh, you set up this whole thing of this like the underground of Seattle, which is a cool little like just note, right? Like, Hey, this whole place kind of burned down. They decided to build one, one story up and we're going to do like these, like, um, you know, tours. And then they even said, these things go on for miles. Steve, did you not think for a second the payoff would have been whatever's going on is going to lead to that hospital underground from the city. I'll be honest. I, I didn't think about it because one of the things that popped up in my brain was, is, a. Five years ago when we went to the UK, we were in Scotland and we did a underground tour. Like it was supposed to be like a, you know, 
ghost haunt of you know whatever and we went into like these caverns underground that were obviously they're not the equivalent of the underground railroad but similar sort of build where it's just caverns underground with stalactites and you know wood and you know uh what's what was built upon okay um so my brain went there so i wasn't even thinking about how it was going to play into the story uh and then the other thought that i had was, was when you mentioned that i was like oh was he expecting the one of the explanations for how Jason gets around in the Friday the 13th remake is, is that they're like, well, there's a cavern. There's an underground thing of caverns that he's able to like get around in. And it's like, you're explaining something that doesn't need to be explained, but that's that, fair, but they introduce <laughs> it. Right. Because yeah. the one, the one person gets picked off while well, they gets held captive. Right. And it's like, and then there's a big chase sequence underneath. It's like, Oh, well, like it feels like, Gabriel, the, 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 the being is being chased, um, has a very good knowledge of what's going on of this mm-hmm. area. And that, that is not true. We know, we now know that that's not true whatsoever. It's very reactionary. It's like, they're acting like an animal. That's fine. Whatever. And I'm like, I thought there was going to be a bigger thing there, but that maybe that's just me and my, your mileage may vary fine. Um, with, <laughs> With the, the whole thing, uh, the tease of our main character, and everyone's like, oh, the back of your head's bleeding. And it's like, yeah, because your dick uh, husband slash boyfriend threw you against a wall because, you know, that that's cool. I mean, again, that's, that's the thing that kicks everything off here, right? But it's like, did, like when she got checked out by, like when the EMTs took her to the hospital, did anybody be like, oh, man, she's like a Cadbury egg back here. Like, what, what the hell is going on? Like, they didn't, like... No one bothered to check anything. It's like, oh, I guess her head's bleeding. Do you think her, her do you think her skull's cracked? I don't know. She's pretty. She'll figure it out. You know, like it's just they didn't bother. There was like no. You didn't even give me. You didn't even give me uh, like a single moment of disbelief to be like, oh, this is why they didn't bother checking any of this. She was in a literal hospital, and they, they it just she was bleeding from her head, and no one bothered to check why. That seems that seems um, unconscionable in like 2021. You could have maybe gotten away with that in the 70s, right? Which I know this is what this is riffing on. And I, I, again, I don't I don't want to sound like cinema sins, but it's like when we get to what's actually going on in this movie, no one bothered. It's like it's like um, like no one ever did anybody ever see the back of her head or her shoulders in her entire life? Did her husband never see anything about her ever? Like, I don't uh, know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's certainly a good point. I I I want to come up with some sort of clever reason why, but I, I don't have that. And I'll be honest. Yeah, it, it crossed my mind. I think the fact that it gets so crazy at the end, like I. I don't know. I, so, for instance, I, like one of the things that I enjoy about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two is is that it's just over the top, nutso, like comedy, crazy, yeah. like you know Dennis Hopper with chainsaws and and guys getting their heads cut in half, and you know for all the horror that people see in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, you know it's fairly bloodless. So, like. Uh, my preference is the over the top craziness of that. And I think that my attraction to the turn that happens in this film is because I'm like, 
this is crazy. And I let that other stuff uh, go. And I, I'm well aware that like, I've probably held other films to the fire over less. I'll say this. I wish, I wish I had that same forgiveness, not forgiveness is not the right word. Um, like you're like, okay, great. You kind of, you kind of lulled me to sleep and then, but you knew you as the filmmaker and the storytellers, you guys knew what was coming. Like credit to you that when you actually pull the reveal, like this is going to be crazy. Cool. Like credit. That's fine. I'll, like I, I wish I was able to get on board with that. It's just that once like, um, not to, not to, not to give too much away here, Steve, uh, in terms of like, not, not this movie. Cause we're going to talk about, you know, um, there's a move in wrestling that the Miz does called the skull crushing finale. That, I feel like that's what we get in the prison here. When we get to the jail cell is the skull crushing finale or I don't know, skull opening finale. Um, if you will, uh, there is, I was recently on at the devil's ball, um, to talk about the film, the man of two, um, which is a fun, it's a fun, silly movie, but it takes itself seriously. And, um, it goes in some directions that you don't expect it. Go listen to the episode. We do spoil the movie. Maybe don't listen to the episode until you watch the movie. Uh, Steve has not seen it. However, um, the premise there though, is that a woman has a growth on her neck that the doctors can't figure out. And this is in the first couple minutes of the movie and the doctors are looking at these scans. It's like, that looks like a baby growing in her neck. Like what is going on? So, Maybe because I just watched the Manitou again recently and I'm aware of the Manitou. Um, when things were going on talking about a twin and about other things, I was already being like, there's some Manitou bullshit that's about to happen here, isn't there? So I wasn't too far off. So I was always kind of, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop or I should say um, spindly T-Rex raptor arm to drop whatever in this. So maybe maybe I was already kind of primed for Something like that. I guess also the fact that, you know, I talked about the sameness of the rest of the movies that are uh, in the Wanaverse, if you will, or the uh, genre, the subsection of the genre that he's created. You know, the fact that it was such a out of the blue development and it's not. I will say that, you know, they do try to create a story where you can go back and watch it and be like, okay, I can see that they did at least sort of kind of acknowledge it here. Like, I do think that because up until the point where we find out what activates the thing that becomes Gabriel, um, I was like, why did we get that backstory? Like, I was like, literally, why did we get that backstory at the beginning of the movie? Um and once you find out why it's, it's actually all triggered by her abusive husband, throwing her into a wall. I was like, okay, I buy it. I'm fine. Well, but, but uh, what about the, like the, the 12th hour reveal that her, her adopted sister's like, Oh, and we didn't even talk about like how we found out that this, the our main characters had like, what was it? Three miscarriages within a, a, the course of two years, which is traumatic. Don't like, I, I, I can't speak to any of, of that, but when she, or the sister's like, oh, we find out that Gabriel was actually feeding off of all of the pregnancies and making himself stronger. I'm like, how do you know that? There is no way you know this information at all. There is no implication that this is the dream child now. Like, what is going on here? Sorry. <laughs> no, that's, that's fair, too. I, I absolutely get uh, the fact that uh, there are issues there. I, 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 
again, this isn't me defending the movie. Um, it's just that, like, because there, like I said previously, there are other movies where I've probably held their feet to the fire for less. <laughs> so I can't, I can't tell you why I'm forgiving this. I think it's just because of the fact that I took so much joy out of the third act. Because the third act just goes bananas. That's fair. And I loved that. And so what would you have felt like if James Wan would have been like, one of my influences for this movie was the the Steve Martin, Lily Tomlin movie, All of Me. <laughs> I actually quite like that movie. I haven't seen it in <laughs> years. The third act goes bananas where Lily Tomlin takes control of Steve Martin's character and just kills everybody <laughs> in a police station. Um, no, so let, let's, just, yeah, let's just get to it. Like In terms of the visual and the idea of what's going on and what the killer is and how it like, I, I will, I will completely agree with you. 100,000 million percent. The idea that this, this person, um, uh, her, the, the, the characters, I forget her, her main name. Um, sorry. It's Madison, Madison and Gabriel, how they were basically fraternal twins, but they're fused. And that's the spoiler everybody. And that's why I played that about an hour ago. And that um, because uh, Gabriel is just the epitome of evil, but he's like the back of her head. He has like um, like T-Rex arms, but he also is like in her head and is influencing her. But also he has electric powers. I don't, whatever. Um, it could talk. All right, I'm going to stop you right there. That is the one thing that I feel like is a cheat. Yeah. Because it doesn't make any sense. It's just like this. <laughs> it's like, it's like. Steve, I'm at Radio Shack right now. Just you got to hear what I have to say. Anyway, so just wait. You're in Radio Shack. What year is it? This is the 1970s now, Steve. This is a giallo. Anyway, so anyway, no, I don't know. I, I, I'm at a Best Buy in the mall. You should upgrade your phone right now. Continue. It's it's a bad bit. I'm sorry. Continue. No, that's okay. Our Best Buy actually has just been upgraded to a Spirit Halloween, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> Yeah. So no, like that whole thing where, cause the very beginning of the movie, whenever like the doctor's like, uh, Gabriel is like, he's getting too strong. And then the one doctor comes, he's like, it's like, he's drinking electricity. And then then you hear him talking through the radio and he's just like, Oh, I'm going to kill you all. Also coming up next is, um, traffic on the eights or whatever he says, you know? Um, and it's like, okay, this is, that's why I was like, this is some frightener shit going on. This is crazy. Right. Um, nah, and then, then we get to the whole thing of where they decide that they can't actually control him. So they're just going to cut most of him out and uh, close off her skull and just shove him in there, shove his, his hamburger face into her skull and just hope for the best and get her adopted. Cool. <laughs> I get that. I mean, I, I certainly do. Um, <laughs> like they don't even tell, they don't even tell the parents like, Hey, by the way, she might hear voices sometimes because she has a second entity in her head that may or may not make a, uh, you know, the corn popper run on its own or whatever, you know? <laughs> I, at this point don't have an argument to make. I can't, there's no way that I can rationalize it. You're making very valid criticisms. And again, this is one of those things where I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm just, because the ending or the the third act tickled me so much, I forgave the first two. Yeah, and so um, what you're talking about is the way that they have him when he takes over her body, it becomes like this um because he's operating it backwards, right? And the way he the motions, the movements, the those are all so thought out. So it's really cool how 
Gabriel operates when he's using her body where he basically has to have flamingo legs and he has to like pop the arms out of socket to be able to use the hands backwards. Like there's some cool choreography there. Like, I think that's all really cool looking and all that stuff's really cool. And I also really enjoyed the design of it. I mean, I did get shades of the, um, taxi driver in, um, total recall, but yeah, it's, it's very cool. Yeah. I thought that was cool. I, I thought oh, wait, it's not the taxi driver. Shoot. Quato. Yeah, apologies. no, that's fair. Yeah. Quato. I think it's a good call. Yeah. Um, and so, and then whenever she, uh, split her skull open and, and the holding cell, so you could see Gabriel come out and then, you know, he just becomes like the most goth guy ever or whatever. Right. Um, like there, that's all like, that's cool. And, but then it, it takes this moment where it's like, you could tell James Wan just recently made a, a superhero movie. Because that sequence in the police station just, it's too much. I think, I think that you need to show, like, I think this idea of a backwards person working backwards is such a cool and creepy and scary idea that you should have reduced the scale of it in terms of the scope of the film. I All think right, that hot, hot take. I'm disagreeing. Oh. I think that's what makes this movie work. I love the fact that he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go balls to the wall. I'm going to have her as- assassinate everyone. And like, and even throw a chair with precision with your, with your backwards body as a yeah, cop. <laughs> like, again, I, I don't have uh, rationalizations that I can give, you know? I mean, I, I don't think this is, you know, I, and again, this might be, and I'm honestly surprised. Obviously, this would have given away the probably twist of the film if he did reference this. But like, you know, there are three Basket Case movies. You know, uh, for those of you who are unaware, Basket Case is about uh, you know twins who one of them is uh, an evil thing that lives in a picnic basket. We'll put it that way. Um, <laughs> well, because he was a, he was a fraternal twin or whatever that was like a growth on the side of the one, right? But was yeah. Yeah. Right. And he's evil and kills people. And, uh, you know, his brother carries him around in essentially a picnic basket. I, I understand that he can't be like, yeah, I watched Basket Case for this. And I'm not saying that he did. But, like, I don't take Basket Case to trash for being what it is either. So I guess I'm willing to be like, you know, this went so apeshit at the end that it made me buy into the rest of the story. I was, I was willing to forgive any other issues that I might've had within the story because I'm like that ending bravo. So fair. Okay, fine, <laughs> fine, fine. Like I just like for him saying that, like everyone's like, Oh, is this like, um, he's like, it's not a superhero movie. Cause someone asked about another graphic novel that had a similar name. He's like, no, it's my own. It's my own original story that he worked with. Um, the other, the other person we'd mentioned previously, I'm sorry. That was her. It's actually her idea. I should mention her name directly. I don't want to dismiss it. I'm sorry. Ingrid Bazoo. There we go. So this was her idea. They, they, they worked on it together. Right. So good, good on them. And they came up with some cool choreography and all that. Um, and to come up with something different, different enough. Right. That that's all cool. But when he's like, Oh, this is a superhero movie. We get to the end where suddenly our main character can like, you know, you know, Gabriel on the back of her head and she's fine. And then she's like, Oh, well, Gabriel had super strength. I have it now. And it's like, wait, what do you like? Like, this is the beginning of a superhero story. Because by the way, I don't think any court in the land is going to not hold you accountable for killing everybody to this point. 
You know, okay. be like, so yeah. so that's that's absolutely fair. I understand that she's still probably culpable. However, there have been cases of people doing extraordinary feats of strength under you know undue uh, circumstances, and I think that's what it was. I don't, yeah, like, I don't like think like James Wan trying oh, to lift a, this plot across the finish line. I'm kidding. I, I don't think that she was making the point that like oh I have superpowers now. I think she was saying like I was able to throw this hospital bed across the room when Gabriel was controlling me, I can do it now that he's gone. Well, no, she's like, he was strong. She's barely able to pick it up and get it off of her sister. We we now know that Gabriel never skipped reverse leg day. No, no, but, (laughs) but what was like with all the Spider-Man antics up in the attic? Like when they were tormenting, um, you know, the real mother, like that was, by the way, I will say that that was the one moment in the movie, whatever, uh, the woman breaks free from the attic and she goes to walk forward and just falls through to the, like the living room floor, which by the way, credit, like if you live in that house, wouldn't, wouldn't you look up and be like, Hey, I think there's a water spot on our second floor. We should probably get that looked at whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> it just, that seems like the, the house looks way too nice for that to be ignored. But when she fell through it, I'm like, Oh shit, this is different. And that that created that, like that doubt. And I'm like, okay, how is this going to wrap up? This is like, there was bits in here, but then there's also bits too. Like whenever, um, we're seeing the perspective of the husband downstairs and we see like the electronics flash and we get that silhouette on the couch, which is just for us, the viewer and nobody else. And then he dies like, and then we get the reveal later that it's actually like, you know, I don't know. I hate that uh, that cheating bullshit of we're going to scare you now and we're going to hand wave it away later because we're an unreliable narrator and we're finally going to tell you, like, oh, you can't trust anything that you saw. And that doesn't give you freedom to do whatever you want. That That's just... Mm. We should all be... <laughs> I, I know I, I'm sorry. I'm making a bunch of angry noises right now. And actually here real quick. I know we're in the middle of talking, uh, Steve, um, give me a fragrance. I'm going to put this in the game here, a fragrance, like a perfume or just whatever. Like, just you know, give me a fragrance. Uh, the first thing that comes off the top of your head, the smell of brownies, brownies. Okay. And then give me a piece of sports equipment. Uh, mouth guard, <laughs> mouth guard, <laughs> All right, we're we're almost done with that list, but yeah, I just like there's bits of this movie that I dig, and then also I I can't say that I disliked um, the score like echoing uh, "Where Is My Mind" throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. It's like and it, it's it's such a tell, but I I'm all like I'm all about like sometimes the scores kind of getting in your face because I don't think a lot of movies do that anymore. I got to be honest. I didn't catch where is my mind until about three fourths of the way. Well, that's fine. Yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> it but, you, but you caught it though. You caught it though yeah. eventually. Right. And it's like, yeah, it's I a finally very- got it, but I, I didn't catch it until like three fourths of the way. I'm like, wait, is this, are we expecting the Pixies to start playing? Are we is expecting the, uh, Brad Pitt and, um, you know, um, <laughs> Ed Horton to show up. Bottom curve. To, yeah. No, I thought that was wonderful. I thought that was a great way to build a score. And it's a little on the nose, or sorry, on the back of the head, squish face, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, I just, like, yeah, this is like, it, so I guess what we're going to coming down to, it's a matter of taste, right? I, I guess it's ultimately what we're coming down to. I just think that if you had head trauma that was able to be um, the thing that really woke up, you know, your malformed um, twin in the back of your head that clearly has a mouth that I don't know why he just like why he 
whatever was going on, why this didn't completely die in the meantime, because it felt like they cut a lot of him away to make her a normal appearing looking girl. Right. Um, whatever. Um, yeah. If that's, if that was the, like how the setup was okay. It's just, again, I just feel like there was, there, there was never any discussion about like, Hey, we saw the surgery going on. There has to be trauma with it. There has to be some physical viewing of trauma, right? Like, like they never, they never get to it because they realize that everybody around them be like, Oh yeah. I wondered why, like, you know, 25% of your body was scar tissue. Also, why you can't grow hair on parts of your head. Like, I don't know. Like, Well, to be fair, she is able to grow hair on parts of her head that would, would hide that scar. Parts of it, yeah. But I'm saying there would also be a scar tissue there, right? You'd think. I'm not a doctor, but I don't know, man. Just like, If she's like, hey, I can't go outside without my hat. I'm like, oh, okay. Let's see what's going on with this hat. You know, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's like it's always. So this entire movie, your believability hinged on her needing a hat. Yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> I need, I need the big ear flap hat, like the Ron Swanson special. Like, you know, I need that to be like, Hey, like you'd be nice with that. No one, no one seems to be able to hat on. <laughs> a hat. You're right, Steve. You're right. If, if this, if she would have been wearing a series of hats in this entire movie, I would have no questions about anything going on. <laughs> No, another question I have, why would, why would a trophy, like a, just a regular award somehow be like, um, forged out of like, uh, you know, adamantium to make into a stabbing device? Like, I don't know. That's another invention that I thought was kind of cool. I mean, why would a man be able to make a glove made out of, you know, knives? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I never really thought about it in that regard. Like I kind of liked the weapon of it. I like the fact that one, one of the kills is just the base of it beating somebody to death. Oh no. The kills were okay. It's just, it's just like when you take this thing, it's like, it's just like, Oh man, this, this, um, like, do you think the trophy makers are like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't make knives anymore. And then it's like, nah, it's like, you know, just, yeah. What, what is this award for? It's for uh, expertise in medical field. Okay. Let's yeah, make it's it for saving lives. We should make this the sharpest thing, but no, I know they sharpen it up or whatever. Right. But like, you know, you know, I just, it would be, would it have been great if it was just a, like, you know what? We're, we're not giving you an award for medical advances, but you're going to be a participant. And it was just a participant trophy that he went around and, and beat people with it because the, you know, the marble base could be heavy, but whatever. Anyway, I, you know, in, <laughs> for as much as I want to shit all over that, I have no problem with the science of dark man, <laughs> you know, like, so I, I really have no room to talk. It, your mileage may vary. It's just, I just feel like it was asking us to look past obvious questions when they did give us some answers for some, like it's like, it wanted to have its cake and eat it too. And eat it too. And it just, you know, it's like, I don't know that I, as a writer, as a storyteller that I know, as you go on with your story, the science slasher, um, I'm sure that there's questions that you come up with that only you will have, but it's going to bug you until you have answers for them because the reader may never, ever know that you asked that question and answer it, but it's going to be reflected in your writing. And I feel like with this, there's some very obvious questions that they're like, Hey, why don't we ever see the back of her head? And they're like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. (laughs) We're just going to point out it's bleeding, you know? It's like, so, hey, I think I see an eyeball back there. Shh, shh, shh. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You know. 
I'll just point out that, you know, again, I don't know that I can really give a good answer to this question, only in the sense of I've mentioned this before in previous examples of movies that we've talked about. But like one of the reasons that I always got stuck on the ring was I was like, why we're never given an explanation as to why this thing is on a videotape. Video is not something that lives forever. Like it, it was actually in its dying days at the time the ring came out anyway. But like there's never a story detail that gives us why it's on a videotape um, and why this is being passed around. Yeah. Um, and I, I got hung up on that. It actually destroyed my enjoyment of the rest of the movie. So I cannot give you. And again, it, it I think it just comes down to the way things hit us as people like you've come at a very critical point and I can't argue the critical points that you're making because they all make sense. And I absolutely can see them, but just the fact that like I was so caught off guard by that last act that I was like, all right, I'm in like, I was able to forgive everything else. Um, that said, you know, there have been people who've said things to me about the, the comic that I, that I, I have two issues out of that I'm like, you know, everybody seems to be asking who the Saturday slasher is. And for the, you know, 20 listeners we have, and I may be going low or too high with that number, but like <laughs> the whole idea of, of that, the story was, this is like, he's, he's nobody connected to the story. He's a random killer. And like everybody's like, well, who is he? Is he the guy that she sleeps with in the first issue? And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, you know, they're like, oh, I noticed he referenced Candyman. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize I was referencing Candyman there. Other than the character talks about being a Candyman because he likes candy. But I never connected it to candy. I think it's still weird that you said sweets for the sweet when he was offering. No, no, no like I, I think some people, like you're right. I think there's a matter of that. Like, there's people that um, they're focusing on the wrong things, and and once you tell the story the way you want to tell it, then I think there will be, you know, that there'll be more evident, right? So you're only halfway through. So like, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, really the whole, you know, idea is, is that, you know, the central premise of the story is somebody wanting to die and then facing death in an actual physical form and having to face it and realizing they don't want to die. That's the whole idea behind the Saturday slash or at least the first arc, yeah. which God willing gets finished at some point. But, um, with that in mind, like, I'm not laughing at like your inability to finish story. No, I just, just I, sorry. I do. I would be like, mm-hmm, that'll never happen. That's not it, what it's, it's no, it's, it's taking me far longer than I thought it would be. Uh, cause you know, hey, for just, those just of take, us who don't just take the one round, just do whatever the hell you want. Just like, like, ah! like make, <laughs> just make a, make an issue with the title hand wave and just do whatever the hell you want. It's fine. And be like, I don't know why the slash is killing on a Tuesday. It's like, well, it's more of like he was off from work that day. So it's his Saturday. But not everybody else on Saturday. Just go with it. You know, like he took a long weekend and he had a dental appointment that day. Couldn't quite. He just had a quota. Just, just, it's fine. Just move along with it. But uh, the point that I'm making, and that's actually a a funny joke that you just made, because you think the Tuesday Tuesday night slasher would be uh, less interesting. But um, versus my character, my my creation, the Monday morning murderer. But there are things that I've encountered where, like, the people who have read it and have given me feedback have come at me with questions. I'm like, I never even thought about that. Like, I, I, well, that's I'm good. like, I, 
I didn't think that he, anybody would think that he's connected to the rest of the story. Like I, I even so much so built up the idea that he's already killing people before the story starts. I, it was one of the things that I wanted to establish was is that like it's not like his killing spree starts with our introduction of the character. It's already somebody who's out there killing people when we meet our main character. So. I'm always thrown off when people ask me questions and I'm grateful for it because it means that they actually read the damn thing. <laughs> but, but it also, it also the, kind of puts your feet to the fire a little bit to reconsider and, and think about things. And, and I'm yeah. going to guess over the course of time, your own um, perception and your own, um, I'm sure you still have the broad strokes and end goal in mind, but that doesn't mean that you can't take a second and be like, Oh, if I, re-examine the, the relationship between A and B, I can get more of an emotional heft out of this and also answer something logically without going so far all the way to do it. You know, I think that's, I think that's where I'm not saying, excuse me. I'm not saying that every single story has to have, like, I don't need every single thing answered in terms of like questions that I have. I get it. That's why like the cinema, cinema sense things pisses me off where it's like, you're just being, Petty is all get out. You're being dumb. You're just dragging this in the dirt. Um, so there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of things like I, like I mentioned that, that film Superhost. there's things and there's quibbles in there that I don't think that like, if they would have went back and looked at me, like you could have went and handled this better and still got the result that you wanted. I think that's a valid criticism. However, there's bits in the movie that I'm just like, okay, let's just see where they're going to go with this next. That is perfectly okay. You know, like I, I think with this too, I think because it is a bigger, like bigger budget as in the sense that, you know, it is Warner brothers. HBO is putting it out. It's in theaters as well. That malignant. I think that it owes the audience a little bit more intelligence at times than it just, it, it wants to, I don't like that. It's like, well, I'm just going for a certain vibe. So if you're going to not be along with us and, and you're going to get out in the weeds, then you just, you're not part of this. It's like, I don't know. Like you want me to be emotionally invested in this lady who was abused and thrown against a wall. And even later on, we're drawn back to that impact point in the wall. She tells her sister, this is when my husband bashed my head against a wall. Right. And then we have the repeated thing of the blood out of the back of her head. Like meaning that, uh, that you as storytellers want us to pay attention to this. Like there has been no, like you, and then for you to purposely never, ever, 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 ever like try to explain why, like there's never a red herring of like, oh, well, like we checked her out and she's fine. Or we did like, you know, like something, you know what I mean? Or we tried to run the x-ray machine and it just shut down like for no reason, meaning, you know, the brain thing that can affect electricity can shut things down if it feels threatened because it's been showing that it has electricity powers like the interrogation room. Why couldn't you've had that where it's like, Oh shit, electricity shit's happening and we can't get a good reading right now. We'll try again later. And then she's released from the hospital. Why couldn't you have that moment? Because then as a, as a watcher, as a viewer, you'd be like, Oh, something's like trying to keep her like, you know, vulnerable. Why can't we have that? Like just, for the love of God, that would have, like, no pun intended, it would have sewn up so much in the first half to when we get to the second half, Crazy Town would have been deserved. So the only argument that I can make uh, for that is, is that I feel like, and this is, again, me putting on the writer's hat uh, and feeling like if we explain too much up front, 
it will give away what we're going to reveal at the end. I'm not saying that it would have. I'm just saying that, like, I feel like that's the rationalization. Like, for instance, uh, you know, uh, we've talked about Midsummer on the sh- uh, on the show before, uh, not in a proper episode. You know, I enjoy that movie quite a great deal. I know that for you, it's it's a high mark. Like, you really love that movie. I do like it a great deal. Yes. And one of the things that I always got hung up on with that movie was, and it's not enough to be like, oh, deterred me from liking the movie, but the invention at the beginning of the movie where the sister kills her parents and herself, where I'm like, this seems like a really, really complicated way to do this, whereas a more effective way would have been like, show the parents in bed with gunshots to the head and her dead in the hallway with a gun. Like, I'm not saying that's more dramatic. I understand why you make that choice. But it also put in my brain, I'm like, why this Rube Goldberg, you know, trap, uh, not trap, I'm sorry, Rube Goldberg <laughs> convention where you're like, I'm going to, you know, take a hose all the way from the car. To no, you're my right. Yeah. So, like, that's that's something where, you know, I think that's an individual viewer thing, whereas maybe you didn't question that where I was like. Why? Why are we going this complicated of a, a place for somebody who you know murdered their parents and themselves? That's that's just me, and I understand the filmmaker or writer, you know, whoever made that choice, being like, I don't want to do the mundane, and sometimes I think choices are made without the consideration of like, oh, maybe we explain this or. Again, like I said, maybe it's a choice that's made simply because they're like, we, we want to keep the uh, the inevitable third act from being easily discernible earlier in the film. How dare you bring in another film that I, <laughs> I'm questioning? I'm joking. <laughs> What? No, no, no. I wouldn't would, like, would, like, what do you think would have been better in this film where it's like, listen, we keep getting calls from this thing. We've ran the phone, the phone calls back. The calls are coming from inside your head. Like, no, no I'm kidding. Uh, so I don't know. Like just, just like I ultimately, I rated this thing three out of five stars in letterbox. Not that my opinion and my rating system means jack shit versus anybody. I came down on it more positive than negative because I don't mind. I don't mind the swings. I don't mind like, like you're talking about that third act. I don't mind that it did go to crazy town. Like I think that we saw some imagery that I don't think we've ever seen in a horror film in like you know, recent memory. And that's a lot of fun. Right. And it's competently made. Um, it just, I don't know, man. Like I for me, it's like we were supposed to be along for this mystery and it's like you answer like a lot of questions, but if you're purposely not giving me fundamental answers, then I can't join you on the ultimate ride to a satisfying conclusion. And also with the way this film ends, um, I don't know. There's a lot of cops dead and uh, there's a trail by he's leading to a hospital room. I, I think that she's going away for a very long time, but it's supposed to be like this hopeful Hopeful beat, right? But then also we get the little bit of flicker maybe that maybe maybe Gabriel's not done yet. You know, I don't know. Whatever. Fine. I, I've said my piece. It's just I I I honestly believed coming into this conversation that you and I would fall along the same lines. Uh because I, I did respect you as a horror movie. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> 
no. I feel like we're still I'm, hitting no, a lot no, of no, no, beats. Steve, please understand. Wrong. I'm just joking. I just um, I made it a point to not like let you know my feelings because I had a feeling we we're going to be in lockstep in a lot of this, but we're not, and that's perfectly that's wonderful. People have accused us of like not ever debating anything, and then just kind of always being like, "Yep, we agree. High five. Move on." And I guess. Um, and actually, I take that back. I know that you, you, and you enjoying this ride and having fun with it are more in the majority of the opinions of the people that I know and I respect. So you know, great. I'm like, I'm glad that there's a new a new idea out there that other people are about, and it's kind of a breath of fresh air. That's like good. Bring it. It just. Um, in my own mind, I just feel like there's certain switches that have to be flipped. And if they don't all get all get flipped, it's just it it becomes very frustrating at times. So that's I guess that's ultimately where I'm landing. Yeah, and I, I totally get that. And you know, maybe upon a rewatch, I I won't be as forgiving. But as only having watched it the one time, I was so relieved that it wasn't what I just thought it was going to be. That I probably was more forgiving. And I I again I don't. And I don't know. I, I think that you and I are, are two people who have a lot in common and have a lot of likes that are similar. So a lot of times we are going to come out in places where we're uh, in agreement. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think this is you and me being Siskel and Rebert where, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to insult you over not liking Malignant or that you would take me to task for being like, yeah the third act really made me enjoy the movie. I, and I hate to put it that way too, because like I, there's, there's some cool stuff throughout the movie. I do think that the way Gabriel quote unquote moves, uh, when, before we know what the, the twist is, is very interesting mm-hmm. because I was like, wow, it's really interesting the way that it's been choreographed. I thought that, um, that, we hadn't seen that type of thing before. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. Um, the reveal itself, just because it was so out of nowhere and batshit crazy, I was in for, I, I was relieved to not have, find out that like, you know, it was a house that was, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, spooked by, uh, poltergeist or, you know, a possessed doll or whatever. And that's not me laying, you know, blame at James Wan's feet. I just, I talked about at the beginning of the, of our discussion, just that a lot of these movies have a sameness to them. And the fact that this broke from that mold was a joy for me. Um, so, uh, I think that if, if, if you're somebody who enjoys horror, particularly if you enjoy James Wan's work, I think you're going to get a lot out of this. I think, uh, also, you know, the fact that it does take such a crazy turn might make it more, uh, I don't want to say, um, I was going to say, you know, more of a, uh, uh, easily digestible yeah, thing. Palatable. Yeah. Know? I think that's what you're looking for. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. So, um, so I, 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 let me just, let me just bring back one point I was making earlier, like seven hours ago when we started this conversation. Um, I feel like there's some saw tendencies in here where we get to like the, when we get to the police station or like one of the murder spree starts happening and it's like, maybe it's not callbacks, but it's like, just like how, I don't know. It's just, it's like, all right, it's killing time. And it's like, it's just, 
you, you're fine with that. I know you told me you, you, you were, but it's like, I just felt like, well, this stopped being a horror movie and this started being like, um, the Punisher or something. And I just, not that I'm against like that hybrid of like, well, this is its own thing. That's fine. But it's like, you know, I didn't need this to be, um, like with especially, I don't know. I feel like the, the shit in the jail cell and then the, the police break could have been done. Um, it could have been done differently. Um, but you know, but if, but credit, credit to you, when he said that the third movie went batshit and he dug it, isn't that the, like if there's, if there's an act of a movie that makes you want to end up loving something, it has to be the third act, right? Because if you love the first act and the, the, the second and third aren't great, you're going to walk out being like, Oh man, it could have been something, you know? So at least, you know, you want the third act to bring the, bring the goods. So I'm glad that you're like, don't, don't dismiss your opinion because if it came out making you like the film a great deal, well then the third act is where you want that to happen. So that please like you're 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 absolutely right about that well yeah i mean i thank you uh <laughs> well you know what i mean they, it, like i mean you you feel like you're trying to apologize for the first part of the movie but it's like as a storyteller and as like going through an arc like if there's going to be a part that like, if you're frustrated with the first two parts of it but then the third gives you something that you're like this is great that that that's where you want that, right? Like you don't want to be like, man, that second act was amazing. <laughs> like the, the first and third parts were kind of shit. Like, but that middle of 45 minutes was great. Like even then I'd still be like frustrated because it's like, you gave me a really good middle. You couldn't stick the landing here where it's like, Oh, well yeah, it's okay for the first part. And then you know, the th- you know what I mean? Like at least, at least it was, you know, at least the, the part that resonated with you was the right part. I'll say that. Yeah, and you know this movie's not going to be for every everyone, um, but I, I'm I am glad to see that James Wan is you know, and maybe that m- might have been part of his plan too, where he's like, but I'm going to kind of hit you with a story that you're already expecting, and then I'm just going to you know uh, flip the flip the lid on you uh, uh, yeah. in the last third. So I, I don't know. Um, I I enjoyed this and. This is including Aquaman as a DC honk. Um, I enjoyed th- this is probably the movie of his that I've enjoyed the most. Okay. So uh, and again, I, I know that there are people who love the Conjuring franchise and Insidious. And in- I want to say Insidious because my wife pronounces it that way. That's not the correct. <laughs> I, I want you. I want you to start calling it deciduous, meaning like you know, <laughs> like maple trees. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Insidious. Deciduous, uh, where the trees just keep growing and you're happy to see them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, while those movies weren't particularly my jam, I, I was able to at least go, okay, they're well-made movies and I can see why he has a career. And I'm not the biggest Saw fan. I, I, I don't know that I've seen that much outside of the original, to be perfectly honest. So, uh, yeah, you know, if you if you have HBO Max, I think you could do worse than giving it a check, uh, giving yeah. it a watch. No, like and I, I think we sorry. spoiled that much. I mean, we we didn't yeah. kind of talk around it, and we we <laughs> did get some of the beats, but no, we spoiled it. The back of her head's a Kinder egg, and there's a toy inside. And he's evil. We just we spoiled that. It's like whatever. Um, but free prize inside. It's your it's your uh, kind of like dickish brother. <laughs> your his face looks like a McNugget. You know, we, well, let's get that. Let's like, looks like if, if, um, Krang wasn't stuck in the middle of his, his robotic body, but it was in the back of someone's head. Sorry. I'd be okay with that. Everybody loves Krang. <laughs> yeah. 
So everything you're saying is right. Um, I'm just going to counter that with go watch the Trials of Terror or whatever. Mr. Burns uh, gets his head grafted to Homer. Um, you know, that's that's the same thing. I'm kidding. It's not really. Um, you know, so or or also I'm also going to recommend um, Lee Wanell, which I never thought I'd ever come around to to him. I just the movie Upgrade, like not dissimilar where there's like another voice in the head. That's a lot of fun. And I need to watch his invisible man, which I think you've seen that, right? Yeah. I thought you saw that. Didn't no, you guys rent that? Like, no, my wife, that was the last movie she saw pre COVID. Um, and then I know it's available now. I just not gotten to it. Cause I'm a shitty person oh. in terms of watching movies. I do okay. need to see that. So, um, yeah, yeah. anyway, I, I, uh, yeah, I would highly recommend that movie. So, so it, you, you have not rated this on letterboxd as of yet. Cause I know that you, um, <laughs> because a- I've become lazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you always save that for your first time watches and I'm just always like, Oh, I just watch mama's family five stars or whatever it is. I rate on there. But where would you, if you were to give this a star rating, where would you put this at? I I'd say it's a four out of five. You know, it's not a perfect movie. It's not a five out of five, but I give it a four. And I gave and it I a three. Don't yeah. think that your three is that detrimental either. Like three means that like you liked it enough to not be like, yeah, it's it's you know, I, I don't know. I think three in my book is like better than what I expected. So you know, for me to give it a four, it means that I found something of value here. And yeah, I, I again, I think I've only given one five star review, and that's to uh, you can't kill David Arquette. So. Take from that what you will, people. Fair. I, I, it's weird because I can look at my letterbox. And I'm like, a lot of things are four stars for me, and I feel like I'm hypercritical or everything. I'm like, yeah, I liked it a pretty good deal. But here, here's the thing with letterbox, though. You can rate something, and then when you go to actually log it, it can be like, did you love it? With a little heart, you can click on the heart. Um, spoiler, Steve, I didn't put the heart by this. Like, I <laughs> gave it three stars, no heart. And so that, there you go. That was my, my, my shunning, you know? So I think it's competently made and I think there's interesting shit here. And I think if people dig this, then cool, like good, like, like let Warner brothers make more horror films, bring it, you know, like you're going to, you're going to come across some cool shit. So anyway, uh, your mileage may vary. Steve liked this more than I did. That's perfectly acceptable. Not me, not me giving Steve permission, but I'm just making the statement like, that's, this is why we have the conversation, right? Because everybody's going to like things for different reasons. So cool. All right. So before we get to pimping our wear, Steve, I have uh, just two more questions here to fill out for the game. Cause I was, um, yeah, I just ran out of time. So give me another Marvel, uh, hero and villain, like just two of them. Wow. Hero and villain. All right. Or so... just give me two. Like, that's fine. That's fine. We can just. Give me two. Well, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's fine. It's, it's not that important to the, the game. It's where I had it set up. But if you just give me two other Marvel characters, that's fine. All right. So it doesn't have to be a hero and a villain. It does not so. have to be. Yes. All righty. I am going to go with uh, triathlon, I think is his name. Uh, or is it? All right. I shouldn't go with a character that I don't know his name. There was a character in, introduced in the Avengers who kind of had some really lame superpowers named something along the lines of triathlon. You mean super? Um, so I won't use him. <laughs> kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say the beast. Okay. All righty. And I'm going to say for the villain, I'm going to go with um, Madam Webb, although I don't know if she's technically a villain. That's fine. Okay. And then the last one I have here is your least favorite Marvel character. Ooh. Um, uh, oh, oh, what's her name? 
Um, Madam Web. Marrow. My apologies. Marrow. Yeah. Oh, I, oh. I almost said maggot, but it's not maggot. It's marrow. Okay. I hate ma- marrow. Ugh. <laughs> Oh, this is going to be a lot of fun. So, all right. Before we get to the game uh, this evening, you guys can find us on Invasion of the Podcast at, uh, on Facebook. Uh, you guys can find us at InvasionThePodcast.com. Uh, it's been a while since I posted, but there's the Grizzly 2 review, the last thing up there. Oh, I forgot to mention, I watched Day of the Animals as well, uh, which is the spiritual sequel to Grizzly uh, with Leslie Nielsen fighting a bear. Um, fun. Not as fun as Grizzly, but Leslie Nielsen fights a bear. So <laughs> no one blows up Leslie Nelson with a rocket launcher at the end of it. No, no. Um, that would have been amazing. <laughs> he is a dick in that movie. And it's like the entire time it's like, Oh, Leslie Nielsen, come on. Anyway. Um, it was fun. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so you guys can go check out the blog. There's plenty of things there. I keep promising a RoboCop three watch and write up. I need to get to it for the end of the year. I, I should do that soon, but, um, you guys can, uh, uh, email us directly to invadingpodcast.gmail.com, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. Um, I did see that we're actually listed on Google podcasts just by accident today. So cool. If you like the show, like, I mean, I'm so bad about like making sure our feeds out there and available. Like, I, like I'm bad about it. Um, but yeah, if you guys like this conversation, enjoy it. Please let other people know, because um, I'm sure there's many, 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 many other podcasts everybody listens to, and it's a crowded field. If you enjoy this one, let other people know about it. It'd be great. And Steve, how can people find you and all the things you're doing and where your artwork's at and all that other great stuff? Well, I would just like to say, even if you don't enjoy the show and you hate listening, feel free to still put that out there. Uh, more of the listeners than the narrator. I like the idea that they hate everything and they're like, I'm two and a half hours in when this goddamn thing's over. Son of a bitch. I just, I don't want to hear this guy talk about his goddamn comic anymore. So uh, I hate listen every episode just to hear him talk about it. So He's going to bring up that goddamn comic again. <laughs> so I'll just say here, uh, if you're interested in uh, checking out my stuff, you can go to the com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook under the Siren Slasher. And if you're in the Cleveland area uh, this coming Friday, September 17th, there's an opening reception for the Spooky Boobies Art Show. I decided to stay away from uh, boobies, uh, going against my basis instincts. And, yeah, I mean, uh, just bad choice, buddy. To... It's poor choice. It's... <laughs> Focus on the spooky, and I ended up... Uh, uh, producing three ink drawings for the uh, show. Um, they're all Halloween-based. Uh, so uh, if you're in the uh, the area, uh, the show is going to run, I believe, uh, starting the 17th of September, which is this Friday. And I think it's going to run into October. I believe there will actually be another showing uh in October, if you want to go through, but the the whole complex that Eleven Two is in is nothing but art gallery. Gallery, so you can actually check out mul- multiple displays and multiple artworks that are there in different galleries as well. Wonderful. So I should, I should I should mention that consensual booby going towards that's the way. You, like you just don't want to be like, oh hey, what's up? I'm like, uh, no, it's consensual booby going towards. That's that's well. Where we're at well, the theme of the show was it could either be nude or horror themed, or both. Uh, but I chose to stick more to horror uh, as opposed to going with uh, a nude. So I mean, your your uh, Tom Atkins fully nude um, picture and said thrill me. I you know I accept it. It's fine. You know anyway. So God, where were you when I was coming up with things? Like, 
you know I'm always a text message away. And I you probably know, would have sold you know, a more, ton more of that. often than not, I'm I'm a little tipsy uh, because of the pumpkin spice uh, seltzer. Look, I, oh I don't know gosh. much about Tom Atkins, but I'm guaranteeing me he's probably packing. So I. I <laughs> They're like, listen, you got to put down that shotgun. He's like, oh, and they're like, no, 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 no. The gun you have in your hands is fine. You got to put pants on anyway. So, uh, <laughs> no. So I also want to mention I had I had Steve on as a guest on the other show that I do uh, with my other podcast husband Terry, uh, Strange Highways. We had recently just wrapped up uh, a watch of the original Twilight Zone series, all 136 episodes, and as a victory lap, we decided to cover 1983's uh, Twilight Zone the movie. So I had Steve on as a guest there. That episode just came out today. I uh, should go check it out. Um, Steve did a, did a good job of um, like reminding me that I shouldn't make a joke every three seconds because we had to get into a, um, a, a some bad shit about the movie. But otherwise, I think we had a wonderful conversation, and Steve held me accountable, which he should. Um, I did not hold you accountable. I just you you threw a swerve at me, and I was like, ah, uh, uh, um, uh, um, uh. <laughs> but you you Jeff Goldblumed it, is what you're saying? Basically, you're, yeah. Uh, except no. uh, I don't come off nearly as charismatic as Jeff Goldblum uh, when I do that. Uh, so so no, you guys if you want to uh, check out that episode. It's available on Strange Highways. Uh, where however you get this podcast, you can find that one there as well. It was it was a wonderful talk. Uh, it's I think that's a good movie to watch. Uh, it's anthology, so you know, like not every segment, you know, like it's four seg four and a half segments. You know, again, your mileage may vary, but I'm glad that Steve came on to talk about it. So yes, that's all the things that we're uh, pimping right now. Before we get to talking about what we're doing next episode, well, we just got to get to uh, this game I've been teasing this entire time. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. So Steve, you've already played the game. Now you just got to react to your answers and I need, I need Ooh. some honest to goodness answers. So I, I, when I, when I asked you what you wanted to cover this week, I pitched malignant and then I also picked, uh, pitched uh, Marvel's what if, and I know that's the, the anime series is not done yet, but because it's more episode by episode, I, you know, you're like, no, nah, let's wait till we're done with it. So I've not seen the, the new one that came out today as of this recording. Like what if Killmonger saved Tony Stark? I'm going to guess that ends well. I'm kidding. Um, but <laughs> like, so I decided to do a what if game. So I asked you some questions and here are the, what ifs, the, what if like animated comic books or whatever. And you got to tell me, I'm going to throw you the titles out because you helped make them. You're going to tell me a little bit about, uh, each of them. Right. So, okay. yeah. So let's, let's see here. Let, this first one here, let, let's, this, um, what if Captain America and Craven the Hunter just cut through all that sexual tension and just smashed it? Wait, I'm sorry. You caught me off guard with sexual tension. Uh, who's Craven the Hunter? And I'm sorry, who was the other character? Was Captain, Captain America. America. You picked them both. Like, what if they just got through all that sexual tension and just smashed it? Like, how do you think that would go? <laughs> I mean, I'd like to believe that, you know, Steve is able to recognize his, uh, you know, amazing agility and ability to, uh, you mean Steve inform. Rogers, you're not speaking about yourself. In third yes. I, <laughs> Steve Rogers. That is cap is what I like to call it. I do remember at some point, like, uh, somebody, I was talking about Captain America. And I just kept referring to him as cap. And somebody's like, you say that like you know him. I'm like, well, I, I, I guess I kind of do like, I don't know him as a person, but, um, yeah, I, 
I would think that he would admire the uh, Craven the Hunter's ability to uh, not only uh, hunt his prey, but also conform to uh, the surroundings around him. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like it would be like a Cheers thing. Like, I feel like uh, they would be Sam and Diane, where they're just constantly arguing, arguing, <laughs> arguing, and then suddenly... <laughs> Yeah, I think that's fair. Just go from that to making out. I think that would also be that, or just like, oh no, I dropped my shield. It's nowhere near me. I'm unprotected. Oh no, like you know, like, <laughs> and there just shows up Craven with like a fishnet or whatever, just to, like in a trident. I don't know, but yeah, like um, like uh, you know, uh, Craven tackles him, and Steve just starts giggling. <laughs> and Craven is. Like, this is my last hunt because they are happy <laughs> together forever, you know? So, um, you, you pick the character, Steve. I put that on you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one here. What if Foggy Nelson got the Infinity Gauntlet? Oh, wow. That's a good question. I, mean, I think, I think the very minimum sad sack. The very minimum also, is that he would win every court case that he was part of, though. I think that would be the very minimum. <laughs> I think that would be part of it. I think the Foggy's a good uh, lawyer and a loyal friend, but at the same time, like you know, Foggy's love life has never been stellar. And I feel like you know, even even when Karen Page came into their life, you know, the two of of them, Matt and and Foggy, were a bit competitive, and obviously. You know, Matt has got the, the you know, uh, the uh, physique of an Adonis, even though he's blind and he's clever and funny. Wait, and, are you uh, saying blind people can't be in shape? I don't know what that means, but okay. Uh, basically, what I'm saying is, is Foggy Nelson is essentially me. He's going. <laughs> Soggy like, Nelson. Are you Soggy Nelson, Steve? That's what I'm saying. Yes. Okay. <laughs> He's doughy, semi-clever. He might win one occasionally. Uh, but yeah, I guess. You know, I don't think he would ever do anything to, like, put Matt back. I, I, I think, okay, so here's the thing. He's probably going to, uh, he wants Matt to have a happy ending, and he probably wants to restore Matt's sight. So that's probably the first thing that Matt does but with the But then makes him deaf. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> makes him super blind. I'm kidding. Yeah, no. You're right. Um, and then Foggy then makes himself into a character. Uh, he's going to go by the name of Tim Misney. And there will be billboards of him everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Look it up, everybody. Look it up, Cleveland. He's going to make you pay. You know? <laughs> He's yeah, going to make yeah. you pay. With his infinity uh, gauntlet. <laughs> but I do think that, you know, those are the two things that he would pursue. He would probably make sure that Murdoch and uh, Nelson is the number one law uh, firm in America. And I think he would give Matt a happy ending. Yeah, I and think, like, like and, and he would be the number one law firm in the universe, right? Like, that's, you know, justice at the... Snapping your fingers. I think that's yeah, where we go. He might that. actually be representing, you know, um, uh, I was going to say uh, Thanos, but, you know, maybe he's representing somebody uh, like uh, Kang the Cockerer in some sort of galactic, uh, you know, essentials, sl- uh, not essentials, I'm sorry, eternals slash, uh, you know, uh, judge courtroom. So, yeah, in front hey, of the Eternal Tribunal. I get it. Yeah, there you go. Those right. are the words I'm looking for. Yeah. All right. So, okay. What else we got here? Uh, what if Bruce Banner became the Hulk if he got too sad? <laughs> so instead of being the thing that like <laughs> that triggers him being angry, it's 
is that he's just sad. You picked the emotion. I, you know, I, I didn't. <laughs> I'd like to think that it's like an actor where like an actor could make themselves cry by thinking about something sad. Yeah. So instead of being like uh, pissed off, like, you know, he's got to get himself to a place where he's emotionally vulnerable and like upset about things. So like, you know, uh, every time he needs to turn to the Hulk, he thinks about like, you know, his pet dog dying at eight. Yeah, I was going to say like, like in the middle of the night, he sees that Sarah McLaughlin commercial and it's just like, he just, just <laughs> it's done. He's done. And the name, the incredible sulk, that's the name that would be, you know, like that would be it. Like, but he'd be so sad that he wouldn't, he would just be like a green, like giant guy that wouldn't do anything that I feel like that's what would happen. <laughs> He walks around town and just looks at uh, like windows <laughs> of like storefronts. Yeah, like uh, like uh, Hulk would smash if he felt like it. Like, aren't aren't we all broken windows? <laughs> like you know, like yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. yeah. I'd just be like, hey, did you guys want to go to that uh that uh, that Death Cab for Cutie concert? I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. You know. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, all right. Um. <laughs> What if the Beast and Madam Web started a small, locally sourced farmer's market? Wow. Those are two characters that would never be together, ever. Well, I don't know. Uh, Someone I know picked them, so there you go. That's uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's fair. I, I picked the Beast because I always enjoyed Beast as an Avenger. Um, I always thought, like... Yeah, he's interesting in X-Men, but I love the fact that like whenever he'd pop up in Avengers... Uh, as being like sort of, you know, this counterpoint to because you have your Tony Stark and, you know, uh, other characters who are scientifically based. But then Beast kind of shows up and he's like, yeah, I have this whole, you know, genetic mutation uh, side of things and, and looks at things in different ways. Um, and I'm simplifying it there. But I always I always liked Beast as a. Avenger as opposed to being an X-Men. I feel like in the X-Men, he's just another X-Man, whereas the Avengers, he's unique, uh, is probably that's the better right. way of putting yeah. it. I think that's so, yeah. um, you know, Madam Web, I'll be honest, I don't know that I've read that many comics with her. Most of my familiarity with Madam Web is from the 90s animated Spider-Man cartoon because she just shows up to be like, hey, Peter, here's how things are screwed up. And here's how, you know, your decisions affect things. And uh, usually it's it's like, uh, oh, but hold on, Peter, things are going to change soon. So don't make that choice. Well, So I think what you're saying, though, is that the Beast would already know how to set up the market. And then Madam Web would go to like every person that was about to be like, oh, I'm going to buy these, you know, art- artisanal tomatoes. She's like, if you do. This is like you, you're going to, you need to go over to the, the summer squash is much more appropriate right now. Like I think she would be all about the pressure selling of the infinite futures, right? I think that she would be connected and she wouldn't understand how to pressure everybody to buy, you know, the, the, you know, the, the avocados that are in, in season right now. I, I will absolutely agree with that because it's a far more uh, literate approach that you just gave than the one that I did. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> this one, I didn't ask you about anything whatsoever. This is the one. That, here you go. This is, here. Here's the grenade I'm throwing at you right now, Steve. Here, Because you know I'm always good for one. What if Zack Snyder directed the Avengers? 
Oh, wow. So we're going back to like the first Avengers. Sure. Or are we taking it from like, no, the first one, the first Avengers. I need to think about this for a moment. Hold on. <laughs> or pick okay, an Avengers, so, like wherever you want to be. Like, it's fine. Like, you know, no. So, I mean, he's, he's taking, you know, there have been, you know, four films that are going to inform what this movie is going to be. So there's two Iron Man movies. There's, Thor and Captain America. And uh, he's like, okay, so I get to play with also the Hulk and Black Widow. So well, there's Black a Hulk Widow, movie too. Yeah. Sorry. There's a Hulk film before as well. Yes. Yeah. Two, yeah. I, I guess technically I forgot that one. So five. Um, so yeah. Um, Captain America uh, wakes up in 2012 and uh, he's just angry for no reason. <laughs> Um, he feels alienated for no reason. Um, and for no reason at all, his costume's gone from like blue, white, and red to just all black. Okay. It's all black and, uh, there's no color to it at all. And, uh, he's angry for no reason. Uh, so, uh, with that in mind, uh, Captain America, I'm sorry, uh, Iron Man, um, knowing that, uh, you know, one of the defining comic aspects of the characters is alcoholism. Uh, we start the movie with, uh, Iron Man being on a bender where he's just drinking heavily, um, because that's more real, you know, played we, by we Jeffrey D. Morgan. We'll just be honest. Like that's who is going to play Iron Man at this point. Right. Just- <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, the Hulk, um, you know, instead of actually trying to suppress his Hulkness, um, he's just Hulk all the time. Um, we never actually get Banner. He's just rampaging throughout the entire movie. Um, and it has no real bearing on the plot. Um, but we're going to be told that it's going to somehow play into uh, a movie that never gets made later. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, uh, Black Widow... Uh, oh, you know, Black Widow uh, is probably the only character that uh, he might get right. But instead of following that instinct, he's like, she should just murder everyone all the time. So no matter what scene she's in, she just accidentally kills someone. <laughs> and then I feel like you're projecting uh, another female character here from the Justice League. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like I. Yeah, you know, he may have said that he wanted, you know, Wonder Woman to behead characters in movies. Uh, so, <laughs> oh. yeah. Um, All right. So, what about what about Hawkeye? Hawkeye. Um, uh, Hawkeye, oddly enough, is killed within the first act. Um, <laughs> for for no reason at all. Actually, he's just you know uh, shot through the head, uh, so that we we don't have any hope. Uh, throughout the rest of the film. And then uh, Thor shows up uh, and, and being a thunder God Thor, um, you know, just shows up and is angry at everyone. And so most of the film, he's just mad that Hulk is angrier than him. So he's just <laughs> focused on him. And, and, and Loki is the bad guy. What do you, what do you think about that? Oh yeah. Loki's the bad guy, but um, ironically he, he loses uh, when Captain America uh, realizes that uh, it's better to be evil than good. So, 
Wow, I mean, that's almost exactly the film that we got. So that's, you know, and Agent Coulson still dies. You know, it's weird. All right, so there we well, go. Agent Coulson dies, but oddly enough, it's during the credit sequence. I don't know why. The beginning credit sequence, yeah. So um, what slowed down song would play over the intro credits, right, to remind everybody this is a serious film? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> who let the dogs out? It would be a slow down version of Baja Men's <laughs> Who Let the Dogs Out, right? <laughs> who? who? But I feel like it's got to be something that's even who like. Who let the dogs out? <laughs> it's got to be something less serious, something that you're really trying to give some sort of, you know, dramatic pull to that has no right being. Like, you know, like it's a slowed down version of, you know, uh, Ice Ice Baby for some reason. <laughs> Fair, uh, yes, there we go. Um, it's a spoken word version of Ice Ice Baby. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I don't know why that movie didn't get made. That would be amazing, <laughs> right? Um, and then also the movie would start with the credits of Coulson dying after Batman's parents die. It would not make any, any sense whatsoever, right? So we, we just see that he's leaving a theater and he's trailing a couple. <laughs> he's leaving a theater. He's leaving the theater, uh, you know, from Batman from like, was it 1989 or 90? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So we got a couple more here. All right. This one's for you. This is the one you picked this. What if Peter Parker was bitten by a radioactive Chester, the dog. <laughs> well, I, I'd like to believe that it's, it's similar to spider ham where he somehow still has spider, uh, you know, powers, but he's just a dog now. Okay. Um, also he, he, he sleeps a good minimum of 12 hours a day, but he has to walk in a circle three times. Right. And if you throw a ball, he loses his mind. And even mid fight, if he has to go, he'll just take a shit. Like that's like, you know, (laughs) he he no longer has a spider sense, but if you throw a ball, it'll completely throw. (laughs) I like it. All right. Um, (laughs) what if the fantastic four became the fantastic 240,906? Well, there would be a bunch of people left on earth who are like, well, why aren't we special? Why why didn't we get superpowers? I feel like that takes and, all the super people, and then they'd be like, "Hey, what do you what do you what do you?" What do you I'm really good at frisbee golf. You're in. Just come on in. It's fine. It's fine. You know. <laughs> What's that guy's power? Well, he's the thing. He's kind of rocky and he's strong, and he can fight the Hulk. Uh, what's your part? Your 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 superpower? I'm really good at parcheesi. <laughs> It's like, I well, growing up, I was considered the the sand master with all the toys. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm a master corn popper. Like you're in. Come on in. That's fine. All right, there we go. It's just, yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, what if um, Ghost Rider got sponsored by Yankee Candle and suddenly <laughs> became the spirit of the smell of brownies? Oh my god. Uh, so, uh, side story, um, my, uh, sister-in-law, uh, at one point, had a brownie candle and like every time I walked in the house, I was like, Ooh, brownies. And I'm like, the spirit of vengeance. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it would, it would just be something that would anger people. Cause like nobody ever walks into the house of like somebody making brownies and is like, Oh, brownies. Everybody is always like 
do you know anybody who doesn't like brownies? And if you tell me you do, um, I, I'm ending this right now. Like, <laughs> who doesn't like, like the like, smell like, of no, no, delicious no, brownies? Like not just this episode, not just the podcast, <laughs> but our friendship. Our friendship <laughs> is over. <laughs> Like I'm, brownies are one of those universal things that everybody loves, mm-hmm. you know. Am I wrong on I agree, that? No, I agree Not with you. I agree with brownies. you. I love brownies. You know, they're like I, I prefer the edge pieces. People, maybe people that we can debate about that. But I, I brownies is, is an idea, right? I. I I mean, I'm not turning down a brownie either way. I agree. But I mean, is do you prefer it um, cosmic or not? That's what that gets the question. So I mean, cosmic brownies I'm buying at the store, but a fresh pan of of like just baked brownies. Oh my god! Like you know, and that's the thing too is like you make a pan, you're like, oh, I'm gonna cut off a little square, and then throughout the day, you're like, oh, I'm just gonna cut off a little bit more. Oh, I'm just going to cut off a little more. And then you get through the day and you're like, oh my God, I, I ate like the half entire a pan. pan. I ate the entire yeah. pan of brownies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if, if the spirit of, if, if Ghost Rider smelled like brownies, would everybody be like, oh, I just committed, like, you know, I just killed somebody and I spilled blood, but oh, I smell brownies. Like, I want to stick around and see what happens. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, if nothing else, it would at least be distracting enough that people <laughs> would, uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, smell brownies, and then Ghost Rider would just appear to Ver- take versus his, like they'd be uh, killing people and be like, "Do you smell toast?" It's like, "Oh no, you have a stroke," and then this Ghost Rider shows up. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Instead of smelling toast with a stroke, <laughs> if you, you smell, smell brownies, brownies run. Yeah, like, you got, everyone's like, "This smells delectable. This is wonderful." Run, you know. Anyway, so all right, um, all right. Two more, two more. Um, what if Galactus made Norn Rad? Um, the silver mouth guard, you picked a sporting goods equipment versus the silver surfer. So <laughs> I, I really don't know how to do this, but yeah, yeah, I really don't either. Uh, the reason I picked mouth guard is, is cause it was like the one thing that, uh, I remember particularly back in the day, cause I played both baseball and football for a year. It was like the thing that like, I, I remember a kid, I think took a, a either a foul ball or a pitch to the mouth. And like, after that, all the kids had to have mouth guards. And I remember with football. <laughs> oh, it sucks that it took like, you know, face trauma or, a, <laughs> like, you, you know, you, you guys, do you know what mouth guards really do though? Like the actual silicone mouth guards, they actually help prevent concussions. That's what they're really meant for. Mm. Because if you take a shot to the lower jaw and all that trauma with like your teeth and your jaw going upward, that can cause like brain trauma. That's why there's a lot more. I mean, also like the teeth production is a good thing too, but it can really ring your bell. Like, so that's, but so the silver surfer, if he's the silver mouth guard, I feel like Galactus might get his bell rung, even though he's like the biggest guy in the universe, you know, Reed Richards is like ready to like sock him somehow. Right. Yeah. The alternate, uh, alternate, the ultimate nullifier shows up and, uh, you know, Reed Richard, uh, is ready to take out Galactus, and then uh, he's got his ultimate uh, mouth guard in place to uh, I, I just, stop the repercussions, if you will. I like it when Galactus would go up to a planet, and then he'd be like, "Hey, Norn, one second, like, and just takes out his like mouth guard to go eat the planet. <laughs> like, it's like it's like his night, his, it's like his night mouth guard to make sure that his Galactus teeth stay in place." 
Because, you know, he might end up getting, you know, I don't know, his teeth might be shifting. I don't know. He's still a growing boy. I mean, I guess I'm just glad at this point that I didn't say, like, catcher's mitt. <laughs> what if the silver surfer was the silver jock, you know, the jock piece or whatever, you know? The, <laughs> the, the jock cup. The cup. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, the last one here, last one here is what if Steve became the sidekick of Morrow? That's the last one I have of here. Marrow? Marrow. Sorry, Mary. Oh, wow. I just sit around telling her that, like, she's not as cool as Wolverine and just <laughs> stop trying so hard. So, like, yeah. so, okay, I'm not a huge fan. It's not that I dislike the movie, but, like, my wife loves this movie Mean Girls. And, like, uh, I know a few of the catchphrases. And I've only ever seen it once. And actually, my favorite character in that movie is Tim Meadows. But I do know the phrase, stop trying to make fetch happen. Yeah. Um, I feel like Marrow in the 90s was a character that they should that somebody should have, should have said to Marvel, stop trying to make Marrow happen. Like, I, they, they tried to push her onto us as, as, as like hard as they could from, like, I don't know, like 96, 95 into the 2000s, where it's like, nobody cares about Marrow. Stop trying to push this character onto us. Um, with that in mind... Uh, I feel like she should absolutely, uh, I, I just, uh, God, I, it's a character that I just, I never quite enjoyed. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those ones where I'm like, stop trying to make her marrow happen. Marvel, just stop. This is <laughs> not going to happen. I, I think, I think we've talked about this previously. Cause now I realize that, um, in the first uh, game of X-Men Legends, which was released for PlayStation 2 and Xbox, she's a boss. And I think we've talked about that previously. So, yeah. But you get to be the sidekick because it's what if. And uh, you, Watu. Watu? Um, you ought to. A Watu? Yeah, whatever. The Watcher. Uh, I was going to say, Watu is from uh, Star Wars, right? It's like you ought to, I think, is the name of the Watcher in the actual what if. He's deemed it. This is the reality. You have to be the sidekick for uh, Morrow. I- I will say there's a, a great uh, issue of X-Men where they're trying to make Marrow a thing <laughs> where she uh, she basically takes on Wolverine and he's holding back and holding back and holding back and Cannonball is watching it and he's been an advocate for Marrow the entire time. To the At one point, like he intervenes because he knows that Wolverine is just going to snap and just murder her outright. And uh, he basically ends up grabbing Wolverine and knocking him unconscious. And then he like he's like, you see there's this great shot of him like over Wolverine's body like oh, oh please don't wake up angry please don't wake up angry please don't wake up angry because <laughs> it's at a point where like he's about to go feral and just kill Marrow and uh, it, it that's a great issue but other than that I just I never got on board with Marrow it's a cool gimmick it's a cool idea but it's just an angsty character for not for no reason other than being angsty. So there you go. Fair enough. Hot take on marrow people. <laughs> Hot take. Yeah. All right. So there you go. That's, that's, um, my, what if game, those, all, the, all those issues will never appear. Um, but you guys can, you guys can dream, right? Because, uh, there's infinite realities and I, I please, for those of you out there in the, uh, uh, you know, the fan fiction arena, please <laughs> make my captain America Craven, the hunter story come to life. <laughs> That I was going to say, or the Chester the dog, the radioactive Chester the dog, <laughs> Buddy Peter Parker. Um, 
for for a game that I knew was incredibly dumb, we we had a fun conversation about it. So there we go. We're going to be talking about the What If series when it wraps up for season one on Disney+. Plus. I just couldn't shake the notion of uh, asking Steve questions and uh, having fun because I love I love putting Steve on the spot. That I think that's one of my favorite parts of doing this podcast. So that's going to do it for us this week. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation about everything over the past eight hours. Um, okay. yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah, Let's go we, on. That's what we do here. Next week, we're going to be getting into our year of the sequel. We're going to be talking about uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Um, it's a, it was a very divisive sequel until the Crystal Skull showed up, but we'll talk about it. See uh, how it held up. Um, it's technically a prequel. We'll get into all that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait to get to it. Yeah, it's also one of the uh, movies that actually prompted the PG thirteen rating. So Absolutely. we can talk about that when we get there. So yeah. I'm looking forward to talking about it. All right. So uh, yeah. In the meantime, have a good week. Have a safe week. And um, I don't know. I'm just throwing one of these out here for, you, for Steve just to, to make you laugh. One of these. It wasn't especially large, but it felt hard, <laughs> extremely hard. <laughs>